Welcome back to what the hell is the name of this podcast podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm Jake Spear. I'm joined once again by our esteemed colleagues, Darby Deck. Hello there. And Mr. Brandon McClelland. Reporting for duty. Mm, gentlemen, welcome back. Brandon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a sad occasion the yeah, which we meet your is. head is, is hung low it is this look I, usually I would say it's good to be here <laughs> um, but I don't know if that's the case why so down oh it's die another day isn't it it's die another day <laughs> it's 2002's die another day look oh it's hard to Jesus Christ it's hard it's hard to uh, not jump into a, a rant already <laughs> <laughs> this is a tough one for me. Mm. This is a very tough one for me. Tough one for all of us, I think. But yeah. we're getting it out of the way very, very early that's, in the run. That's the silver lining, isn't it? It is. It is. Although tomorrow is my birthday, and Ooh. this weekend was meant to be a celebration. <laughs> this is this is a this is as was die another day. It was meant to be a celebration of the fortieth anniversary uh, of the Bond films. Very nice. uh, given. Well, the fact that it landed on the 40th year and it is jammed packed, jam packed, I should say, with um, with references to the previous 19 films. To its detriment? I would say so, yes. Ooh. Look. Lee Tamahori. Lee Tamahori, uh, who has directed, uh, before this, directed Once Were Warriors, mm-hmm. oh, which yeah. is an extraordinarily good film. Mm. But Art House. Yeah, but character driven and. Mm. Mm. And I don't think the same accusation could be made of Die Another Day. I don't know if character-driven is... Um, the first thing that comes to mind. No, nor is it the last thing that comes to mind. I don't think it comes it's to mind. not on the radar. God, I could be wrong. Maybe the angry cloud <laughs> that hangs over my head... Will is, evaporate. Is, ...is altering my judgment of this film. Mm. I have very... I have pleasant enough memories of the first hour of this film. It is the back half of this film. I remember a pretty compelling sequence where he's held hostage. Yes, Mm. yeah, I think this film, uh, yeah, it definitely has, uh, it has a lot of potential in that first hour. Mm. Um, But for some reason it becomes a completely different film and I don't know if that film could be classified as a Bond film. Right. Were they writing it on the fly or something? A little bit, I think. Right. Um, look, I don't want to jump too much in because we're not into the segment of preconceived notions. But look, th- th- this is a tough one for me. Yeah. But look, it could be a, a lot of fun. It might as be. Well. Look, this might be the birthday surprise you've you've always wanted. Yeah. Here's one for you. It might cheer you up a little bit. Bond walks into the National Bank. On assignment. Yeah. Goes up to the cashier. <laughs> goes, up to the, goes up to the teller. Yeah. And she says, oh, Mr. Bond, you're back. Making a deposit, are you? No, I'm here to cash a check. A fact check! Yeah! A fact check! Yeah! <laughs> uh, Brandon. Yes? Let's start you off. Uh, you said that uh, you, you don't know who that stuntman is that did the damn jump, but you class this as one of, if not the most spectacular stunts in the Bond films. That's, you can't check that fact. Look, let's. Well, I, say, I, just, I just want to talk, want to talk <laughs> a little bit about the 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 the, uh, the damn jump. Uh, I think it's worth mentioning. It got talked about quite a lot. Mm-hmm. The contra dam, commonly known as the Vasaska dam, 
and also known as the Locarno Dam. Mm-hmm. Are you confident with any of those pronunciations? 100%. <laughs> okay. I, uh, I, I did Google pronunciations <laughs> on all of them. The old speak and spell. Uh, if there are any <laughs> listeners from Switzerland, uh, I apologise. <laughs> Not, cont- <laughs> Not good enough. Not good enough. Not good enough. The Vasaska Dam is an arch dam on the Vasaska River in Val Vasaska, Ticino, Switzerland. The stunt was performed by British stuntman Wayne Michaels. The jump was voted as best movie stunt of all time in a 2002 Sky Movies poll. Wow, you're a Sky Movies viewer. Mm. Yeah, or at least you should be a voter. The height of the dam itself, this was a question in the podcast as well, is 220 metres tall. Wow, that's wow. very high. That's 720 <laughs> feet for all of our imperial friends out there as well. I asked, I wonder what that felt like. I just really wanted to know his perspective. Terrifying. <laughs> I can't imagine it's anything other than exhilarating and terrifying. So Wayne Michaels said himself, this dam was awe-inspiring. People would walk along the top in absolute silence and tentatively peer over. Basically, this had never been done before, and because of that, there were an untold number of things that could go wrong. There was a trauma clinic ready, and an emergency helicopter to rush me to hospital. Holy shit. The vision that sticks in my mind is standing up there, all the cameras were at speed, and the assistant's just about to give me action. And I could see, out of the corner of my eye, this little Italian crane driver who looked pale with fright at the thought of what I was going to do. And just as I was about to go, he did the sign of the crucifix. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Michaels goes on to say, you left the top of the dam and you were just like a twig, a piece of paper. You just got blown all over the place and it was very hard to hold the position. I got to the end of the rope and they could hear me go, which echoed all the way down the valley. The force was so great on me that physically it hit me quite bad. He says quite bad. Barbara Broccoli actually said that Michael's actually passed out for several minutes. Really? After the jump. Or even during the jump. Uh, Yeah, holy shit. Then, Michael goes on to say, to actually have to take this gun out and get it in shot in a matter of milliseconds was quite hard work. People asked me what I was thinking of as I took off from that dam and the vision I had was Martin Campbell screaming at me if I hadn't got this gun out in time. My mind was made up. I didn't care. Whatever happened, I was going to get this damn gun out. Martin Campbell said, it was take one. Whoa! That's one of the amazing things about this jump. He did it in one take, and this is a quote, and it's all for real. Yes, Mm. you do it for real. (laughs) Do it for real. Oh, we love that. Darby Deck. You oh. said, you don't know if Martin Campbell has done commercials, but he strikes you as an ad director. Oh, interesting. Now, I've, I've got another visual aid here, folks. Um, so I do apologise, but I've managed to get my hands on Martin Campbell's CV um, from Independent Talent Group Limited. Ooh, Detective um, Bond. Detective yeah. Bond. Um, now, under commercial work, it includes campaigns for Lenovo, Sharp, FedEx, Ford, and most recently, Mont Blanc and Jaguar. 
Wow, I'd love to see his ads. A couple of Bond grounds. Well, you can. I'll also go on to mention some other ad commercials, including JBL's Hear the Truth campaign with Sir Paul McCartney. This is not a sponsored message. And Louis Vuitton with Leah Sadu. Wow. Both are Bond alumni. Yeah, a couple of Bond connections in the ad world there. Brandon, you said Stella Rimmington, who Dame Judy was cast to resemble. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not cast to resemble, but, but was a response to, was a, to yeah, course, her, her real-life appointment. All right, all right, all right. I'm all right. <laughs> it's attacking you. Okay. <laughs> That's libel. And I'll see you in court. <laughs> you said that Stella Remington was appointed head of MI6 in 1991. Mm, wrong. <laughs> you were correct in oh. saying that it was the intelligence agency's first female head. But it mm. wasn't MI6. That's correct. MI5. It was MI5. Damn it. Not MI6. And the year was 1992. Ooh, that was our birth year. It was a good year then. A great year. In December 1991, Stella... This is a good year. (laughs) This is a good year. Stella made a visit to Moscow to make the first friendly contact between the British intelligence services and their old... And their old enemies, the KGB. I want to see that move. Mm. On her return from Russia, she was told she had been promoted to Director General. Stella served as Director General from 1992 to 1996. She was not only the first Director General to be a woman, she was also the first Director General whose name was publicised on appointment. Mm. In 93, she was also the first Director General to pose openly for cameras at the launch of a 36-page booklet entitled The Secret Service, which revealed publicly for the first time details of MI5's activities, operations and duties, as well as the identity and photographs of Remington as Director General. That's so pretty, she revealed uh, state secrets. <laughs> <laughs> to reveal herself, that's... Um... First time ever. Really dangerous, yeah. I would imagine. Here's for... a photo of who is running MI5. That, she was the first. First person to do that. Wow. Now, just to clarify, MI6 is also known as SIS, the UK's Secret Intelligence Service. Ooh, I like that. Sis. Sis. <laughs> now, MI6 is the Foreign Intelligence Service of the Government of the United Kingdom, tasked mainly with the covert overseas collection uh, and analysis of human intelligence in support of the UK's national security. Stay awake. Stay awake. This is important. MI5 is also known as the Security Service. The SS. It, the SS. Oh, oh, no, no. Don't mention the war. <laughs> the Security Service is the United Kingdom's domestic counterintelligence and security agency and is part of its intelligence machinery alongside CIS or MI6, Government Communications HQ and Defence Intelligence. Moving on. Jake asked, Darby's already gone to sleep. <laughs> Jake asked, when did we first meet Bill Tanner in the Bond series? Oh. Brandon, of course, <laughs> said Tanner is definitely in for your eyes only because he kind of fills the M role, which made Brandon think that Bill Tanner might also be in Moonraker. Here are our Bill Tanners. We most recently have, of course, Bill Tanner, played by Rory Kinnear, who appears in Casino Royale through... No. ...to No Time to Die. 
He's in. He's not in Casino Royale. Yeah, he's in Casino Royale. He's the one that tells Bond how to do the defibrillators, isn't he? Kinnear is not. Oh. Kinnear's first appearance is Quantum of Solace. Interesting. The blog that I looked at put had a profile all on Rory Kinnear's Bill Tanner, and it had his first appearance as Casino Royale. Oh. In my head, his first appearance was um, uh, was Quantum, because Casino has that character De Villiers, who's right. like a hybrid of Tanner and, and Moneypenny. Oh, and then there's this weird guy in the not weird guy, but like there's this <laughs> guy that we've never seen before or since, who looks like he's meant to be a Q type. Right? Maybe I'm misremembering. Maybe Kinnear is in. We need a scenario. fact check for the fact check. I know he's definitely Craig's Tanner for sure. After Kinnear, we go back to Bill Tanner, played by the wonderful Michael Kitchen, mm-hmm. who appears in Goldeneye and The World Is Not Enough. Michael Kitchen is the first actor to portray the role more than once. Hmm. Wow. Before Kitchen was Bill Tanner, played by James Villiers, whose first and only appearance is in 1981's For Your Eyes Only. There's, a, there's an actor named Villiers. Yes. Oh, I Who wonder if that's Tanner. a nod. Maybe. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Finally, or should I say firstly, we had Bill Tanner... Played by Michael Goodlife, whose first and only appearance is in 1974's The Man with the Golden Gun. Really? He was uncredited for the role. Bill Tanner is seen only briefly in the film. He appears in M's office with M and Colthorpe discussing Francisco Scaramanga. Is he named? So, Villiers was in which film? Villiers played Bill Tanner was in For Your, in Eyes, for Your Eyes, Only. Eyes Only. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, just named Not Villiers. in Moonraker. There was no mention of any Bill Tanner character in Moonraker. I wonder who that character is, because there's a character in Moonraker right. who ends up in For Your Eyes Only and kind of fills... The M role. Yeah, okay. Uh, in my mind, I've just gone, oh, that's, that's, that must uh, be Tanner. Tanner. I'd be interested in hearing people's thoughts about the um, Michael Goodlife Bill Tanner because he isn't actually credited. You, you look at the end credits and there's no Bill Tanner. Man um, with a Golden Gun, he must be on... We haven't seen that yet. No. But, uh, he must be on the ship. Well, it, it says that he appears in M's office, a scene with M's, uh, in M's office with M and a, and a character called Colthorpe when they're discussing um, Scaramanga, apparently. It's only a split second, apparently. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that doesn't ring a bell for me. Mm. That's cool. That, that, these Just are some little, interesting little tidbits. Little, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brandon, yes. you said that although Tanner is M's 2IC and outranks Bond, he knows Bond is so capable that he sometimes supplements himself. <laughs> or even or even pros- I was very drunk. <laughs> or even prostrates himself. You said you didn't know what the word was that you were looking for. I for one had absolutely no idea what nonsense you were rambling on about. Prostrate to lie flat on the floor. Kind yes. of give yourself a yeah. You're right! I yes, I know never what I'm talking about. I just I've never was, heard of I this. stumbled on I prostate. Pr- as pr- I am wont to do. <laughs> were you worried about something else? Oh yeah, it's always on my mind. Always get checked. If you're over a certain age, please get your prostrate tech. <laughs> but it is prostrate. It's not prostate. No, I know. 
Yes. Oh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, I'd never heard of you this. You seem to be the only one. I've never heard it was, of this was, term before. Well, it was another term you probably haven't heard of. It was um, it was a joke. Oh, <laughs> A bit right. of wordplay. Oh, I see. I see. I decided to fact check it because I didn't know what the hell was going on. But it is. It's a term to prostrate oneself, which apparently <laughs> means to lie down. I'm sorry. Can you say the word? Because I feel like you've said it seven different ways just in this fact check. Is it prostrate or postrate? I'm saying prostrate. <laughs> is it prostrate? Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. Prostrate. I'm so confused. <laughs> It's to lie down it as a sign of respect. Which is what you have to do when you get your prostate checked. That's right. Yes. Or perhaps one example would be Bill Tanner prostrated himself before Bond in the briefing room. Come see, come see. Yes. (laughs) Moving right along. (laughs) Brandon, you mentioned how striking Dame Judy's eyes were in the film. I said she looked like she had cataracts. Exactly. But that particular shade of blue made her look a little blind. Mm. Brandon then went on to say that Dame Judy apparently does have cataracts and that her eyesight has started to go. Uh-oh. He said, did I say libel. she had cataracts? He's, yes, you did. Oh, well, I shouldn't have said that. I do apologise. If I did say that, I shouldn't have. Well, you said, and this was my favourite part, that he had heard this on the grapevine <laughs> through the internet. Yeah. <laughs> reliable uh, source. Where do you do your fact Well, I did some more serious Jane Bondian exercises and investigations here by searching tirelessly through the the most reliable source of all, the internet. Um, (laughs) According to a May 2019 article for Women and Home, veteran actress Dame Judi Dench spoke candidly about her struggle with failing eyesight following her devastating diagnosis with macular degeneration. Oh, that's very sad. Speaking to Surrey Life, the 84-year-old revealed her hopes for the future and the steps she is taking to cope with the condition. She says that on my scripts, my font is point size 22. So you can imagine, if we're doing a sonnet of 14 lines, all the others will have one page and I'll have 14. (laughs) It's ridiculous. It's a farce. But I'm not going to give in. Age-related... Good for her. Absolutely. Age-related macular degeneration is, according to the NHS, a relatively painful, a painless, painless whoa, 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 whoa. condition. You want to get sued? <laughs> but one that can it's eventually suing the disease. <laughs> <laughs> macular degeneration against Shakespeare. <laughs> the disease apparently affects around six hundred thousand people in the UK. Dame Judy was diagnosed with the condition in 2012 after revealing her mother had also had the same condition. Right. What is Bond's car? Hmm. Brandon oh. said it's the BMW Z3. 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 Darby said he knows what a modern Z3 looks like, so if it's the Z3, <laughs> it's a Z3. <laughs> it is a BMW Z3, you're right. You're yeah, both that's right. right. Yeah. September. Wait, was I? Contradicting, Brandon? No, 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 no. You you were just reaffirming. You were just saying oh. that you knew what Z3s looked like and if it was a reoccurring model. But, then does it... it uh-huh. Do they, they don't make the Z3 nowadays. I believe that the most recent Z3... Oh, yeah. ...is um, 2015. Oh. Oh. I, I would have gone 
little uh, further no, I back think in they time. stopped making it. Uh, I'm going to stop talking. Yeah, how about how about you leave this to me? All right. Oh, you must have some facts and figures. Are I've got gonna, a little bit of facts. I'm going to check a fact. September twentieth, nineteen ninety-five. The first Z3 Roadster came off the production line during the seven years. Ooh. Do your math. The seven years that the Z3 and Z3 M Roadsters were in production, almost 300,000 were handcrafted and distributed to more than 120 countries. Yeah. <laughs> you boys right? Yeah. Pay attention, We're just Clark. doing the math. What's 1995 plus 7. It's 2002. Good. Which is the year of... Die Another, Another Day, day. which is the film we're reviewing today. Ooh. Ooh. The Z3s were built exclusively at the upstate South Carolina factory for worldwide distribution. Now, to tie in with the appearance of the GoldenEye film, get this, BMW released a James Bond edition of the Z3 for sale through Neiman Marcus' Christmas catalogue. The James Bond edition sold in 1996... For 35 grand. That's not many That's dollars. US! Not bad. Although in the, 90s, in the 90s, uh, what's that? That's probably around 45 now. I guess. 40, I thought it would have been more. BMW and Neiman Marcus had originally set a 20 unit sales goal. They eventually increased it to 100 units. They only thought they'd sell 20. 20 of these. Did it Bond have a 007 edition. badge? It, it had. It had. Ejector seat. 007 dash plaque. 007 Bond floor mats, unique wheels and chrome exterior trim. The colour scheme was an Atlantic blue exterior with beige leather interior as per the Z3 which appeared in Goldeneye. Yeah. So it was the only one in that colour? Yes. Oh. So that was a specifically made, a specially made colour for the film? Yeah, the Atlantic blue. Why did they choose that colour? It's disgusting. (laughs) Well, (laughs) easy. call BMW. (laughs) I'd still drive it. BMW, if you want to give me a Z3, I'll drive the shit out yeah, of it. Yeah, we'll give you a 95 Z3, mate. <laughs> the engine doesn't work. <laughs> Brandon, you said the other vehicle that came to mind in the GoldenEye film, aside from the BMW, was the tank. So I was wrong with 2015 on that Z3. Yeah, you were wrong. Was that the Z5? Maybe. There's a few Fact Z check models. for next episode. Oh, my God. You said you don't know what tank it was, but it's fucking awesome. Yeah, I stand by it. As do I. The tank used in Goldeneye is known as the T-55. This was the main battle tank for armoured units of the Soviet Army during the Cold War. Estimated production numbers of the T-54 and 55 model series range from 86,000 to 100,000. That's a lot of tanks. I'm never going to use this information. Well, you've got to go back and check the facts because you never know when it's going to come in handy. The tank sequence for Goldeneye took around six weeks to film and took place partly on location in St. Petersburg and partly at Leverston Film Studio in Hertfordshire, England. The T-55 tank used in Goldeneye is now on permanent display at Old Buckingham Airport where the East England Military Museum, who loaned them the tank for the production, is based. Wow. What is the name of the helicopter? Oh, Tiger. You said it was the Tiger. You said it was the Tiger. 
I did say that? You did. Oh. Brandon said it was called the tiger. And you actually believe that you could see the word tiger printed on it. In blue. In a blue colour. Yeah. Wow. Brandon, once again, you reinforce your position as Bond Brains Trust and all-round know-it-all. It is called the tiger. You are correct. I think of it more. The Eurocopter Tiger. Ooh. is a four-bladed, twin-engined attack helicopter manufactured by Eurocopter, now Airbus Helicopters. Oh. Hmm. Merger. I think the Airbus uh, appears in the other Martin Campbell film, Ooh. too. Mm. The, the giant, the jumbo jet. Must be jet. a personal relationship. Oh, Airbus mm. sponsor all of their bomb aircraft. Designed to resist various forms of electronic warfare. Developed... For real life... Sorry, let me start that again. (laughs) (laughs) No, no! We do not stop. Again, again, again! again. (laughs) The development of the real-life Tiger helicopter started during the Cold War and it was initially intended as an anti-tank helicopter to be used against the Soviet ground invasion of Western Europe. During its prolonged development period, the Soviet Union collapsed. Oh. (laughs) But... (laughs) But we barely knew you. <laughs> but France and Germany soldiered on. They chose to proceed with the Tiger, developing it as a multi-role attack helicopter. It's did it? Oh, yes. Question. Did it ever appear in another Bond film? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm going to say no. Ooh, ooh. Hello, Airbus. <laughs> um, its first flight is dated as the 27th of April, 1991. Mm-hmm. And entered service in 2003 and achieved operational readiness in 2008. Took a long time. Very long time. It is still being produced today at a cost to the taxpayer of somewhere between 27 and 36 million euros per unit. Wow, that's a... Holy moly, that's a lot of money. For one tiger. Is it... It is actually resistant to an EMP. The, this right? I don't know. I mean, its its original purpose yeah. was to resist various forms of electronic warfare. Wow! Because of the collapse of the Soviet Union, I think it was then redeveloped as a as I say a multi role attack kind of helicopter. Right. But I'm assuming it still possessed some kind of resistance to yeah uh, EMPs or you know. Electronic warfare. That's an amazing feat of engineering. Yeah. 1991 through to actually active service, ready to fly in 08. So it was sitting in a cupboard. (laughs) (laughs) A really big, expensive cupboard. For 17 years. For a long time. Off the coast of Monaco. (laughs) Now, we all remarked how much Jurassic Park was in this film. That was a cough laugh, just to clarify. Mm, it was a cough laugh. Brandon asked, what year did Jurassic Park came out? come out come out in cinemas? When did it, when did it come out, Jurassic Park? Can, you can do that again if you like. <laughs> <laughs> I'll soldier on. Darby said 94. 94. But then he second-guessed himself and oh, said yeah. 93. Yeah, I think Ooh. 93. We settled on 93, didn't we? Jake mm. thought felt right. it was 89 or something. I wasn't convinced oh, it was the 90s. Not You're the an 80s. imbecile. <laughs> Jurassic Park premiered on June 9, 1991. 
1993. Yeah! Go to At the Uptown Theatre in Washington, D.C. Uptown Theatre. I just had my second birthday. Oh, little baby Darby. I remember the premiere well. (laughs) That was the red carpet. It's great. It's great. Jeff Goldblum in fine form. (laughs) Crawled over to Sam (laughs) Neill. Darby, you were referring... To Xenia's very animalistic costuming and the resemblance Ooh. to a spider's thorax. Uh-huh. Uh, sounds like something I'd say. Brandon yeah. called it... The bottom. The bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I stand by it. He stand by it. Um, stand I apologise to our listeners. It's a very visual fact check today. We'll, we'll put this in the show notes. We'll make sure it's all no, in the show notes. Do that. Or, or, we'll put it up on Facebook or something just so you can follow along. Follow along with story time here. Now... I'm holding in my hot little hands a diagram of a spider. Opithosoma. That's correct. I don't see thorax on here. This is wrong. So what you were actually referring to, Darby, was a spider's abdomen. Okay, no. Or to be more precise... Mm -hmm. The the opithosoma. The opisthosoma. That's right. That's right. That's what I thought. Opisthosoma. Yes. <laughs> the thorax, which you mentioned, may have been a reference right, to the cephalothorax, which is the fused segments on the legs. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but the, look at all the segments. They've on all the legs. got names too. That's ridiculous. It's not just leg. The coccyx connected to the trochanter. Tro- trochanter. Trochanter's connected to the. Femur. That's, we've got a femur. We do. We and do. a patella. And, and a tibia. Like our femur, that appears to be the longest yeah. segment. Oh, I'm going to put the picture away now. <laughs> <laughs> so, the thorax is the part of the body of a mammal between the neck and the abdomen. I wasn't asking what a thorax was. Just, I just need He's to clarify. He's just doing this dress. to prove that I was wrong. <laughs> Because I called it the bottom. Because, guilty, I was looking at her bottom. <laughs> well, you weren't too wrong there, because... But the, I was wrong. <laughs> you were wrong. Well, no, you weren't wrong. Darby was wrong. Oh, thank you. <laughs> the thorax includes the cavity enclosed by the ribs, the breastbone and the dorsal vertebra and contains the chief org- organs for circulation and respiration. It's the chest. You call it the chest. So right now I'm thinking of stabbing you in the, the thorax. thorax. Yes. <laughs> The abdomen, however, of course, as you remember from biology class, ladies and gentlemen, is being the part of the body of a vertebrate containing the digestive and the reproductive organs. Ooh, la, la. So there you go. Brandon. Yes. Believes this might be the last time they use miniatures in a Bonfell. And he was dead wrong. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I may have said this in the podcast. Darby, you are right. I swear they they use miniatures in Tomorrow Never Dies. They would have had to for for I Carver's think they ship. use miniatures in Casino Royale. Darby, you you said you weren't too sure about that. You you couldn't name a specific example of miniatures in a Bond well, film. Well, I can now. Casino Royale. You have. You the, have. You're betting on that. No. Well. <laughs> well. Let me refer one final time to my little show and tell book here. Again, you'll find this in the show notes. This will be on the show notes or on our Facebook page. Or, yeah, so you can follow along. Gents, mm-hmm. I found some dirt. Quite literally, I found some dirt in the form of a sandstone pillar. Well, it's a fake sandstone pillar, so Ooh. not really. Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, sandstone pillar. Okay, what film is that in? Yeah. I saw a lot of buildings. 
I hold in my hands a picture of an original miniature section used in the production of 2006's Casino Royale. You were right. This section formed a part of the large-scale Venice building miniature used in the climactic scenes of the movie, which was built in approximately one to three scale and filmed at Pinewood Studios in July of 06. So that's the sinking of the Venetian house. Wow, that's a miniature. Uh, The destruction of this miniature was then integrated with the live-action plates shot on location to provide the finished footage. Constructed from plaster, this miniature building section stands an impressive 16.5 inches tall and measures 6 inches at the widest point. It remains in generally excellent production-used condition with some minor wear. (laughs) A displayable and affordable miniature from one of the most celebrated franchises in cinematic history. Yes, I am. I know this because I found this miniature available for purchase from the propgallery.com. It is available to purchase for £225 sterling. That's about $430 Australian. Perhaps a belated birthday present for you. Well, yeah, I might put it on the shelf. (laughs) No, it would have to be the the shelf. It would have to be the shelf. shelf. It can be the shelf. One final... Fact check, and it's not really a fact check, it's more of an, of an acknowledgement. I think we need a bloody time check. <laughs> Brandon, who is the guy who did the miniature work on the Bond films? Derek Meddings. Absolutely. I don't know why I couldn't think of his name. Hmm. I think I was apologetic when I... You were. You were. I don't know why I couldn't think of that name, because he would... It, that's just such a faux pas of mine. Yeah, I'm I, I do apologise. Yeah, well, well, I mean, I it was say it's up for contention because I should know that guy's name. You should, as our brains trust. I don't but trust him. I think you were apologetic <laughs> because you went on to mention that Derek passed away about two months after the completion of the film. I think that's of, right. Of Goldeneye, Mr. Meddings is alive and well. <laughs> <laughs> he lives in Northampton. <laughs> Derek Meddings was born in 1931 in London. Son of a carpenter and secretary, he attended art school and eventually got a job lettering credit titles and soon moved to the matte painting department. He was eventually hired by Jerry Anderson to work on Four Feather Falls, Supercar and Fireball XL5 before designing alongside Reg Hill the models for Stingray and then Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds. Oh, wow. Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds. I go. Where he was the supervising special effects director for all 32 episodes of that series. Only 32 episodes of Thunderbirds? Two seasons. Holy shit. That's like um, Faulty Towers. Yeah. There's only 13 apps, but in my head... Mr. Bean, there's like nine. There's nine Mr. Bean episodes? Yes, there's like hardly any. Derek was brought into the Bond franchise by none other than producer Cubby Broccoli with 1973's Live and let die. Wow. Derek would go on to work on The Man with the Golden Gun, Spy Who Loved Me, Moonraker, For Your Eyes Only, and Goldeneye. He also worked on Superman 1 and 2 Ooh. and 89's oh. Batman. Superman. Wow. The 89's Batman. That is amazing. Superman 1 and, ten, 1 and 2 have some great ministries too. That's yeah, all they, they Derek have, I remember the, uh, the, the dam bursting and the town getting flooded. Oh, Do you remember oh, that yeah. from Superman? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sadly... Derek Meddings passed away from cancer on September 10th, 1995, two months and three days before the release of Goldeneye at the age of 64. Oh, before. Derek Meddings, 
Thank you. Yeah, thank you. That, gentlemen, is fact check. Oh, very good. Well, gentlemen, uh, I mean, I've kind of already jumped into it before we did fact check, but it's time for my favourite segment, which is the preconceived notions. Very good. Jake, I'm going to go to you first up. Sure. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm correct in assuming that we have all seen this film. Yes. Right you are. Yep. Yeah. The first one in our bunch that we've all seen. Yeah, I think uh, it is. I think it is. Well, yeah. Oh, no, Goldeneye. We've all, we'd all seen Goldeneye yes. before, oh, we, yes, before yes. the review of that. Very true. Look. So, Jake, what are your preconceived notions of Dad die another day? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember this film at all. Lucky you. <laughs> I can, look, I've got a couple of flashes that run through me. Um, you know, uh, should get that checked out. I should get that checked out. It still hasn't gone away. Um, <laughs> that tickled Mr. McClellan. Uh, Halle Berry jumping off the back of a cliff. Uh, a yeah, really... Backwards. Backwards, oh, too. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, the, the whole thing on a glacier. I remember the car sort of skidding around. Is this... Is this the vanish? Is this where we get the vanish? Yeah, it is. Right, okay, so I remember that. So John Cleese is... He's Q. He's Q. Right, okay. He's yeah. Q for all of Pierce's ones? No, no, oh. Desmond Llewellyn is. He was in Goldeneye. Uh-huh. Um, no, John Cleese is introduced as R in oh. The World Is Not Enough because, unfortunately, Desmond Llewellyn passed away just a couple of weeks after the premiere oh. of The World Is Not so Enough. So John Cleese is only Q in this film? In this, and... Also, another official entry of him as Q is uh, the James Bond video game, uh-huh. Everything or Nothing. Uh-huh. Which, which you rate as a film, don't you? I, I sort of. C- kind of, yeah. yeah. I think it's you unofficially, consider- it's like the fifth Brosnan film. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a pretty um, good script, isn't it? It's really good. It's written yeah. by Bruce Fierstein, who mm-hmm. wrote Goldeneye and Tomorrow Never Dies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I think Goldeneye, definitely Tomorrow Never Dies. Um and it's got an amazing cast. It's got Heidi Klum, Willem Dafoe. Um, In a game. Yep, yeah. Maya. It's got its own titles, uh, title song and title sequence performed by Maya. Wow. Um, yeah, it, it's a great game. It's actually a great game. Mm. Maybe we should one day uh, kind of play that through play together that through. and, and review. I've got all of these games and I'm uh, working on gets, getting some of these old consoles because they're, they're pretty cheap on the old eBay. <laughs> uh, but you are right in saying that uh, Q is portrayed by John Cleese. So I've got a few memories of the film. Um, look, I, I, I'm certainly picking up on your vibes towards this. And I do apologise. I think it's the only one that I'm allowing that to happen. Yeah. Because I actually want to be proven wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? You won't be. Look, I don't think I will be. I, for me, still at this point in the journey, Brosnan is Bond. Um, when I say James Bond, do you think? I think Pierce Brosnan. He's the one that flashes into your mind. For sure. Who, who flashes into your mind, Darby? <sighs> James Bond. Yeah, right. it's, it's just an amorphous Yeah, person. I think so. Yeah, right. Mm. It's Daniel Craig for me. Mm. Yeah, it's okay. Daniel Craig in Casino Royale. Mm. Right. That's Bond for yeah. me. I don't think it gets... It hasn't been better mm-hmm. than that, and I don't think it does get better. I cannot get Brosnan in a, in a tux out of my head. As soon as someone says James Bond, it's him with the pistol and the silencer with the black bow sight. I quite dislike him. Wow. Do you? Yeah. Wow. Always had a problem with him. Always. What, what, what do you think that problem is? I don't know. Maybe now I'll be able to kind of 
better place my finger on it. Yeah, because this is his really worst, so it'll be the worst of. Yeah, he's too smarmy. He's a little bit too smarmy yeah, for right. me. Yeah, right. I think that's. I think kind at of... the end of the day, for me, Brosnan, it's look as you say, this is this is the end of his tenure. Um, there might be unknowingly the end of his tenure. Right. I must okay. Say. That's interesting. Um, he, he thought he, yeah, five. he had a fifth one. Ooh. He he was gonna come back for a fifth one. Right. But then he this didn't one came think, out. Yeah, he didn't think this was going to be the last one. Well, funnily enough, this was a financial success. It oh, was really? the most financially successful of the Bond films to that date. Wow, wow. Um, Look, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. To be honest, I think I'm going to get a lot of. I'm going to get some gadgets. I'm going to get some pretty cool cars. The Bond women are going to be pretty damn good. Um, Look, I think Brosnan really knows how to handle the whippy lines. He can certainly handle a weapon and, and a good old um, fight and a car chase. Um, I don't know whether we're going to see a lot of uh, in-depth kind of character development and serious acting, maybe, but I don't know. I, I wonder. This, this, this film is a real test, I think. Right. Because for you, the, the witty one-liners and the, and the kind of well, just the one-liners in general, witty or not, they're a big part of Bond for you, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. The, I think this will test you on that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> what, the pendulum swings? I wonder, yeah. I think if you can handle the one-liners in, in this, if you can You're not stomach human. them all, <laughs> then, yeah, you really like one-liners. All right, mm. okay. I, I, my preconceived notion going into this is that it is... The best way to describe it for me is that it's overstuffed, and and underplanned. Mm. Mm. There's not enough thought going into what's being put in. It's just more, 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 bigger, next, bigger, next. Right. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I, this is a tough one for me. I love Bond films. Mm. I love them, and I love every single one of them. But this is the one that I really, really, really struggle to defend all of them of all of them yeah yeah see i think i struggle most with poor filmmaking and i think this for me my big preconceived notion of this this is a poorly made film Uh, poorly told story mm -hmm. poorly performed poorly executed in almost every angle that's my i think it's a bucket of crap (sighs) yeah and uh and that's how i remember it and we'll see Jake is the most optimistic then, yeah. all of us, because you think it's going to be at least a bit of fun. At least a bit of fun. I'm hoping that it is. I'm, I'm hoping sure I'll laugh, that but we add can... it, not with Yes, it. that's uh, the yeah, thing. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's what, that, that's what cuts me up about this film so much, is that you don't really feel in on the joke. Mm. Mm, yeah. It kind of makes itself a joke. Right. Yeah. Do you feel that it alienates its audience in that way? Well, it alienates... Me. It alienates its fans. Yeah, it mm. definitely does that. Mm. I actually, I don't think I know anyone who, who rates this as their favourite right. or, or even as a good Bond film. Mm. Usually, like with any Bond film, like there are, there are some that are kind of sneered at. Yeah. But like even films that are, have not done well with the fans, like, I don't know, Licence to Kill or The Man with the Golden Gun or Moonraker... There's still a couple of people who I've met who have said, that's my favourite. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've never met anyone who's been like, 
Die Another Day is my number one Bond film. I'll put it on any friggin' day. Mm. There'd be someone out there. <laughs> I haven't met them. I haven't someone met them. If they are out there, yeah, yeah. drop us a line. <laughs> Send us an email. Yeah. We'd like to get in touch. Yep. And tell Please, us what actually. meds you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Please, if you like this film... Like, genuinely like it. Yeah, yeah. Please, please write to us and tell us why. Um, look, I guess it's, it's probably time for us to uh, just jump on in with this one. Do it. Absolutely. So, unfortunately, it's time to pop in the Blu-ray of 2002's Die Another Day. Gentlemen, we've just seen 2002's Die Another Day. The moment we've all been waiting for. Oh. Oh. Look, I'll say this. At least we've gotten it out of the way. I. Oh, who wants to go first? I really, really, really. I've always hated this film. Yeah. But today I found a new level of hate. <laughs> I found a new level of hatred for this film. I think uh, it's shit. Look, no disrespect to the crew. All disrespect. And the, and the cast. <laughs> look, people worked on this. Long hours. Really long really hours. Really long Bond hours. films take months. The hours are demanding on any film production. Yep. People put a lot of time and effort into 100%. this. We have to get that out of the way. 100%. But this is a bucket of shit. It's a bucket of it's shit. It's two buckets of shit. It's really hard. It's not a Bond film. It's it, not. It really isn't. It, that was the it, first thing I realised. It does not feel... There's hardly any trace whatsoever of this being a Bond film. This is a director who has never seen a Bond film. Or if he's seen them... Doesn't wasn't like watching. <laughs> wasn't watching. This is this is the furthest thing from Bond I've oh, ever witnessed. It looks like self sabotage. It does. It yeah. it does. It's atrocious. You, you mentioned the prequel sh- trilogies. It, yes, you, it feels you mentioned like the prequel trilogies. What was the, the film that you referenced? That it felt like oh Batman. Batman. Oh yeah, it feels Batman like the bad Batman. 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 It feels, like, the bad it feels like nipple Batman. I think you both. I think you both spot on. I think it's it falls victim to whatever permeated the productions of those films. Mm. Whatever was in the zeitgeist. Yeah. There's something rotten in this film. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to know where to start. It on really this. is. It's really hard. Now we've seen. Goldeneye. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's Brosnan's first. I cannot it, believe. It is I funny just... that we've gone from Brosnan's first, which is, for me, yep. an absolute high mm-hmm. of the franchise. 100%. And that, as luck would have it, we've gone to the final Brosnan film. The final film of the original 20, yeah. of the 20 that we're reviewing this is before where it we ends. get to No Time to Die. This is the worst Bond performance by far. Yeah... Look, it's it. Oh, look, I struggle with this because I don't think I don't want to lay the blame at Brosnan because I mm. at Brosnan's feet. I don't think it's his fault. No, yeah. I think he has dealt an extraordinarily bad 
hand. Yes, yeah. he is and, absolutely. And you can you watch him throughout the entire film. You never see him give up. It is one thing that I will say about Brosnan in this film. Yeah. And it's something that I don't think I would have the strength to do as an actor. Mm. Is that you see in some of the older, like in some of the Bond's later films, when they know, like Connery in particular. Mm. Um, Connery, gets, Connery gets accused of, in Diamonds Are Forever, of kind of sleepwalking mm. through it. Right. He's doing it for the paycheck. Brosnan is still giving it. He is. Everything. He yeah. is. I think it's a bit too much mm-hmm. in a lot of it. Yeah. But you can see why he's giving it too much. Yeah. But he's probably very aware of what's going wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He'd be the person on set. I mean, it's his fourth Bond film. By the time you get to your fourth, mm. you know what you're doing. Mm. Yeah. You know what you're doing. You've created this character. You've lived this character mm. over the course of what? It's been seven years. This is the seventh year of him being Bond from 95 to 02. Mm. Like, he would feel pretty comfortable in the role. But it, it's just tough because he's not really given anything in this film that feels motivated as Bond would be motivated. Yeah. They haven't worked with Brosnan on this one. No. But yeah, because yeah, Brosnan's instincts when it comes to Bond are really bloody sharp. Yeah. You listen to him in interviews, you watch him just in his first three films whatever you might think of each film he is very good in them yeah um this is i just feel like i i feel like the film is going against his grain Mm. yeah you know he's on one trajectory he's been on one trajectory as you say for seven years as bond and this thing just just scrapes across the grain of that trajectory it mm. really goes against like you say his instincts everything everything save as you say save Dame Judy mm. yeah and save David, David Arnold store. David everything Arnold else. feels like he is trying so hard to to fix problems in the movie everything he else is, is pushed to, yeah. way too far Brosnan Judy Dench and David Arnold are trying at every turn to remind you that this is a Bond film. Yeah. But outside of that, God knows. God knows. I actually don't... We were trying to figure out while we were watching it. Yeah. We were trying to figure out um, what film it was trying to be. Yeah. And there are points of it where it feels like The Matrix. Yes. Yes. Uh, there are points of it where it feels like, to me, that prequels kind of feel. Yeah. But before the the second and third parts of the prequels had even come out, had yeah. even come out. Mm. Um, so they're what like prequels. They're are you referring pre- to Star Wars? Of Star Wars. Oh, Star Wars. Sorry, prequels. I should be clear on that. Mm. Like the lightning hands. In, oh God! In, my in goodness. The the Revenge of the Sith, which was two thousand and five. Right. Lightning, so this is Lightning Hands also appeared in. It is in. It is in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think it's referencing not, that. Not like this. No. This no. and that's Star like Wars. Revenge of the Sith. And this yeah. is Power James Wars. Bond. Yeah. This is a bloody. <laughs> this is your Cold War spy. It, that's the thing. It's the thing I struggle to bloody. 
rectify or justify, whatever the word is, only three films before this, we've had Judy Dench's M sitting across from him saying, you're a sexist, misogynist, dinosaur, a relic of the Cold War. Yep. I'm sorry, is that the Cold War? Well, is a plane a- flying into a bloody laser beam from... A satellite, the Cold War. This is, and this is this is something electric suits, yeah. slow motion, sped up. Oh, oh my! God. Well, this you mentioned leading into it that Bond. They were worried that Bond had lost his re- relevance in this time and place. That he was, you know, and that sparks the line that you're a relic of the Cold War. This doesn't help their argument. This is the reason this why is, people are questioning if Bond is relevant. Because exactly. he's so poorly handled laden which with is, misogyny and just gratuitous crap. It's just, just oozing of sleaze. Quite, yeah, and he's quite le- yes, sleaze. He's quite he's, lecherous. Oh, he's he's yeah. not charming. Not no. at all. There's no grace, there's no subtlety. It's so in your face and just revolting. Even yeah. the sex scenes. The sex scenes, it's like, this isn't Bond. The mm. sex scene actually made me feel quite sick mm. uh, when we were watching it. Yeah, the one with Halle Berry, I'm yeah, thinking of, because being the most intense. There was nothing sensual. No. About no. It. no. Nor was there anything actually sexual about it. It, it was just explicit. Yes, yeah. In a really kind of... It felt like they shot that scene and on the day, the director, Lee Tamahori, was probably going... All right, how far can we push it? You know what I mean. Mm. Like it feels like he's going. How far can we push this? Oh, you've never seen. You've never seen a sex scene in the Bond film. All right, let's give him a sex scene. Mm. You know what I mean? And you just kind of go, yeah, but that's not what Bond's about. It's about the allusion exactly to it. It's mm. the allusion to Raunch. It sits next it's door. It's the flirtation. To it is flirtation. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the appeal of Bond, not only as a character, mm. but as a franchise. It is the you are dangerously close to the edge. Mm. Whether it be danger, sex, or God knows. You mm. know what I mean? Mm. You're on the edge. You're never bloody stepping into the fray. Yeah. What an unfortunate film to mark the anniversary. 40 years. Of end the end of Brosnan. The 20th film and Brosnan's final one. Ugh, what That's a sad. heartbreaking moment. It's heartbreaking because it's not the trajectory that Brosnan was on. He deserved either. so much more. I really like Brosnan's first three films oh. to differing degrees, mm. but I really mm. like Brosnan's first three films. And I think, you know, the guy loved Bond. He loved Bond maybe more than any other actor who's played the character. He was always happy to go to work. He never said anything in the press like, oh, I want to slip my wrists. Or And to be fair, Daniel Craig was taken out of context. But like, it's not like Connery, where Connery turned his back. Lazenby's really turned his back on the whole Bond thing. Mm. You know, Brosnan loved Bond. He was denied Bond in 85. Yeah. And then 10 years later gets... Oh, 87, sorry. Eight years later, he gets it, you know, and he nailed it. He put everything into these films, yeah. and for him to be given this as his final film, I just think it's a disgrace. Mm. I think it's disgraceful, and I, I don't think it's Michael G. Wilson or Bar- Barbara Broccoli's fault. Mm. I really, actually, don't think it's their fault. Mm. Um, they were pulled, I think. Well, they, 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 they had to have been. They had to have been. I, I think the blame lays squarely at Lee Tamahori's 
feet. He's yeah. given too much creative control. I, I think mm. so, yeah. Mm. Because Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson are very, very smart. They're very clever. In their entire reign as being head of Eon Productions, they have constantly striven to employ kind of auteurs. Mm. You know, people who you would not necessarily go... Great idea for a Bond film. I mean, look at their 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 reign. They've got Kerry Fukunaga, mm-hmm. who's an extraordinary director, great storyteller. Sam, Sam Mendes. Before that, you have Mark Forster. Hit or miss for some people, but still a fantastic director. Good direct. um, a fantastic storyteller. Uh, before that, Martin Campbell. Mm. Before that, Lee Tanahori, who did an amazing film in Once Were Warriors. Yeah. Um, and The Edge. Yeah. Uh, before that, you have Michael Apted, famous for the Seven Up series. Uh, before that, you have Winterbottom, I think. What, I can't Michael remember. Winterbottom? Yeah, oh, no, no, no. Roger Spottiswood is who I'm thinking oh, yeah. of. Roger Spottiswood did, directed um, Tomorrow, Never Die, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. And then again before that, you have Martin, Martin Campbell. Mm. Like, that's an extraordinary mix mm. of, of directors. They are great storytellers who focus on humanity. Mm. Yeah. In every other one of their works, they are focusing on humanity. And Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson, they are smart enough and trusting enough to go, look, we know what you can do. Here's Bond. Tell that story. Mm. Yeah. With this, I really get the feeling that Lee Tamahori either didn't understand Bond or willfully misinterpreted Bond mm. and kind of went, oh, let's just make it this. Mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> okay, right, right. So where does this all start? How many writers did they have on this? For me, it two. just fi- Neil they Purvis, only had Neil two. Purvis and Robert Wade, who have written, to their defence have written The World Is Not Enough, which is one of my favourites. They co-wrote Casino Royale wow. with um, Paul Haggis. They co-wrote parts of um, Quantum of Solace before the writer's strike. They were involved in co-writing with John Logan, Skyfall and Spectre and No Time to Die. So I don't think the blame falls at there. For Where you. is the source material? Where did the concept treatment idea for this film come from? Is there based on any... Is there any thread of Fleming? Is there any... Aside from the gratuitous references to past films, the film's devoid of any kind of substance. Where does the story begin? Uh, see, okay... This is where, as a Bond fan, I kind of go, this is the film I know pretty much the least about because I'm the least interested in it. Understand. Because I don't want to get too forensic with this Mm -hmm. film because I feel like... This film really, really... (laughs) It's weird. It really upsets me Mm. because it is... I can see that. It's so not a Bond film. It just isn't. I wish it could be forgotten. And mm. it, it's funny because I've, I've watched the special features. You, watching the special features, you can see they're trying to make the best Bond film that they can. Mm. It was just an over-reliance on CG effects oh. as well. CG totally effects. Totally threw the rule book out. Yeah. Like, yeah. W- do it for real. Do it for real. We're, Which we have said... Never. Time and time again. So many times. I, d- I don't know if we've said it out loud on the podcast, but every mm. time when we're watching these films yeah. and we watch a stunt, be it from 1962's <laughs> Doctor No yeah. or 1995's GoldenEye, yeah. every single one of these first Bond films, we have remarked upon a stunt 
where we have gone out loud, do it for real. Mm -hmm. And that's the stamp of approval because they've done it for real. It's amazing. And it holds up. Yeah, it really does. And it connects to the humanity, as you were saying. Like, this thing is just some weird, bloody hodgepodge kind of amalgamation. It's a Frankenstein. It is. It's a Frankenstein movie with just... Oh, it's not a Bond film. They tried to do too much, and it really... It really didn't work. I guess we should probably follow the format. Let's work our way through it. Figure it out. Look, I think this is the one we can really dissect. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think anyone's going to hold it against us that we if we dissect this one. Let's go through this beat by beat. Mm. Bond, right? James Bond, played by Brosnan. Yes, Brosnan. I said at the top that Brosnan is my least favourite Bond. I think a lot of that is to do with this film. Wow. So this film colours your... He colours Brosnan for me. Yeah, Yeah, he does. That's that's why I really, really want you to... I really want you to see his other two. Yeah, I don't... I remember parts of The World Is Not Enough. Um, I remember disliking Tomorrow Never Dies. Mm. Yeah. Goldeneye, of course. Goldeneye, I love. Yeah. Um... But yeah, I mean, you look at Brosnan's tenure from my perspective and GoldenEye is really the only very good Bond film that he did. Mm. I have to see The World Is Not Enough again. I think you should watch Tomorrow Never Dies again as well. Yeah, right. See, when I watch Tomorrow Never Dies, I feel like I was a teenager and I feel like I found it boring. So maybe it's a more cerebral Bond. Well, no, I I, I don't think it is, but I, I think it is the perfect MTV generation Bond. Okay. Tomorrow Never Dies for me is, okay, you want balls to the wall action and a bit of mindless Bond? Mm. Put that one on. Right, right, right. But it nails that. Right. It nails it. I Mm. think it is really, really bloody satisfying. Mm. I know the production on that film was a mess. Right. But they still managed to get a really solid bloody Bond adventure out of that. Mm. Okay. I can't say that about this. No. It's funny because I think in the preamble I said, look, the first hour of this film yeah. is fine. Mm. It's, it's leading towards a good Bond adventure. <laughs> Watching it today, I can't even say that. No, really I can't not. even say the pre-title sequence was good. No, it's not. I struggled with it. Yeah. And I think because we've just watched in quick succession The Living Daylights and Goldeneye, mm. um, I think it's really hard to have watched those. Yeah. In such quick succession, and then double onto this, yeah. and go, ah, the opening's great. Because it's really, it's not. No. It's not. Objectively, it's not as well constructed. It, it, it doesn't have the, the steady hand of a John Glenn. It doesn't have the masterful control that uh, Martin Campbell has. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, I feel like it's I've spoken together. exactly for 18 minutes by now. <laughs> I feel like I need to let someone else speak. Please jump in, anyone. Thoughts on Brosnan's performance as Bond? As Even separate of Brosnan's performance, just Bond in this film. Bond in this film is a massive letdown. He's inept. Yeah. He Completely incapable. Completely incapable. He's a buffoon. He, he is. He's, He's a, a buffoon. He can't hit a, a target. Spy. He's a bad spy. He's not discreet. He's, He's not subtle. He's making mistakes. Hopeless. Hope, and that's why I say he's the worst Bond. Yeah. Because not Brosnan in general, but, but Brosnan in this, this film. Bond. 
He's the worst James Bond I've ever seen. Is he, he's he's Austin Powers. Yeah, he's Austin Powers, but without, not funny. But not funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he's supposed to be the world's best spy. Yeah, mm. and he's supposed to be apparently irresistible, Oof. and you don't feel that in no. this no. because the film doesn't let you feel that in no. this. There's no it, patience. It There's forces no. Brosnan to over-deliver on things. Brosnan is one of the most handsome men in the world. To this day. The man's like 66. I just saw an article about him the other day of him and his wife biking, like, bicycling in the countryside. Mm. The guy's got a full bloody beard. I saw him at the Golden Globes the other day. The guy is one of the most sexy men in the world. Mm. And this film... Wouldn't let you believe that. No, he's gross. He's really gross. He's gross, really. It's the, really strange the way he's shot, mm. the way he's, the way he's costumed. Well, for the most yes, part. which yeah. is strange because I think that the costume designer on this is Lindsay Hemming, who is one of the best Bond costume it's designers. A good name for a costume designer. Um, she did the costumes for um, uh, Casino Royale and a few of the other uh, Brosnan films. And she's brilliant. She's brilliant. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the costumes in Casino Royale. God damn it. That there isn't a moment where Hawaiian Danny Hawaiian shirt yeah, with the singlet underneath. Oh Cuba, my God. Cuba, Cuba. That whole fit. Havana scene was where alarm bells really started ringing for me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like we talk about, I've spoken a lot in the other podcasts about the elegance and, and grace of the edit and the, and the blocking and yeah. the and the you know just the the patience in a scene. This had none of it at any stage. There was not a single well blocked scene. It was all messy. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I agree. I really agree. Jake, you have to take over here because otherwise, I'm just it's just <laughs> going to be me for for three hours. Look, I mean, it it was Lindy Hemming. Who, yeah, right. Can I also say some of her other... Um, because it's not Lindy Hemming's fault. It's actually not. Because she has to work with the director yeah. that she's working with. Yeah. These are the other films that she has uh, designed for. So her first one was Goldeneye. She went on to do Tomorrow Never Dies. Then she did The World Is Not Enough. She did this. She did Lara Croft. She did Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Die Another Day. She did Lara Croft, The Cradle of Life. She then did Batman Begins, which wow. is a bloody stylish film. Wow. Casino Royale. She did The Dark Knight. Wow. She did Edge of Darkness, Clash of the Titans, which is here or there. Mm. Dark Knight Rises, Paddington, Wonder Woman, Paddington Two, and Wonder Woman 1984. Oh my gosh! Lindsay Hemming, Lindy Hemming, sorry, is a fantastic designer. Mm. She knows how to clothe. Mm. She knows how to clothe her actors. Mm. I th- again, I think it's Lee Tamahori. Mm. I think it's Lee Tamahori. He seems to be the to be Because every, this, this is the thing that I don't get. With this film, everyone who is involved in the creation and construction of this film is involved in the creation and construction of The World Is Not Enough, mm. Tomorrow Never Dies, Goldeneye, and Casino Royale. Yeah. It's the same bloody team. Yeah. Except outside except for Lee of Lee Tamahori mm-hmm. and maybe and his, his cinema fit, yeah. uh, team. 
his camera team, and I think maybe his editing team. The editing in this film is god awful. So bad. Speed up, slow down, slow motion. Wow. Jesus Christ. Let's put a star wipe in. <laughs> I'm really bad. I, I Maybe I've had too many Vesper Martinis. But <laughs> this I, is the most I've seen you have. In a, I'm in a going to town on this. I said, you said, oh, he's a tough critic. Oh, I'll be a tough critic on this one. <laughs> this is the one film in the franchise that I think is era-fucking-deemable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying to Jake just before we started, is there a redeeming quality? Is there a single redeeming aspect? I was trying to go, is there anything Judy that D- lifts this above... A zero. Judy Dench. Every line that Judy Dench delivers, yeah. I believe, a hundred percent. Like you said, as soon as she came on screen, she's my M. Mm. Yeah, she's my M. A hundred percent. I love Bernard Lee. I think Robert Brown does an admirable job. I think Ray Fiennes does a really fine he's, job. He hasn't quite. Finished. He hasn't hit his stride he's, yet. He hasn't hit his I think stride. he's got many more. I films hope he in sticks him. around after Craig. So do yeah. I. So do I. Although we did talk about this a couple of podcasts ago, but yeah. I think he might be gone after Craig. Mm. Hopefully not. Judy Dench is fantastic in this. Jake, as you said earlier, mm. David Arnold's score. Mm. He is literally pulling everything out of the hat mm. to remind you off. that this is a Bond film yep. and to remind you that you've loved Brosnan before. Yeah. Mm. And it's not just some schlocky CG hot mess of the early 2000s. <laughs> 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 for oh. me Brosnan this just to wrap up Bond before we move on to the rest of the the, the formula Bond we'd like to get through does that formula even bloody hold up in this <laughs> though know. do you know what this, I mean like <laughs> for me is just disappointing mm-hmm. I'm not even mad <laughs> I'm just disappointed because I love the man the man Mr. Brosnan. Yeah. Looks incredible in the suit. He looks incredible on assignment. He looks incredible with the women. He, with the gadgets, with the vehicles. I have seen this man encapsulate my vision of James Bond. Yeah. And what I saw tonight could not be further from James Bond. Yeah. And it's not for lack of trying on Pierce Brosnan's part. Absolutely I do not. not want this to be, and I know that we wouldn't let it be, but um, I want to make clear to the listeners, this is not a Pierce Brosnan bash. Yeah. Because I think that is the cheap and easy way of going about it. It is not yeah. any of the actors' It's a Tamahori bash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, if there's anyone that we're probably going to go to town on, like I'll say it personally, it's Tamahori. Yeah. It's Tamahori. And you, you know what? It, I don't think I've ever actually said this out Plain loud because I don't think I've had anyone to discuss this with out loud. This is a therapy it's session. It's all coming out now. It's all coming out. <laughs> Ooh-wee. Ooh-wee, Lee Tamahori. I really don't like the film you've made. Oh. I really don't like it. Shame on you. Shame on you, Lee Tamahori. Alright. Let's get into it. We've spent bloody nearly half an hour in the preamble. Oh goodness me! Pre-title sequence. All right. What do we think? Oh, wow. I will. I will say to its defence. I will be gentle. Let's be gentle as we guide into this. Um, At it's, least it's new. It's pretty impressive. We've never seen Bond surf. I don't think I wanted to see. I Bond didn't surf. want to see him surf. Definitely it, not twice. 
Yeah. Oh my God, let's not talk about that just yet. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you thought J.W. Pepper was bad. <laughs> I don't want to can talk about that, that moment. We talk about that in one segment and one segment only. <laughs> uh, oh. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed the pre-title sequence. Yeah. I thought the set piece of the Korean bass and... It's all blurring now. I don't. I can't remember if the reveal of the hovercrafts was in the pre-title yes, sequence. Yes, it was. This it is was. all and the idea, hovercraft chase as and well. the dealing of the diamonds through, and and then the, yeah, the chase through the minefield and, mm. and all that kind of stuff. I look. I didn't. I didn't mind it. I, I thought that there was at least some kind of trace of of Bond and what we've seen before. You know, it did have elements of that Cold War. You know, we've kind of exchanged. Um, Russia for North Korea now. Mm. Mm. Um, yes, which I thought was brilliant, and I wish they'd explored more. Yes, yeah. You know, that's they're, because they're, we're dealing with that now. There's mm. your enemy, absolutely. Yeah. You know, mm. look, it, it may get a little bit touchy dealing with an actual nation. You know, as we say, Bond has invented countries before. You know, but um, we're also kind of, dealing like we dealt with Russia during yeah, the Cold War. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it, it, it's that thing of. Colonel Tan Sun Moon, yeah. that character, he's a rogue agent, essentially. So he's not representative of North Korea. No, of he's North not. Korea. No, I mean, he's his, doing his, his own thing. His father and the other generals get bloody bumped off later on in the film mm. because yeah. they seem to be relatively honourable people. So it's not shitting on North Korea. No. It's just that this guy works for an enemy of the West. And himself. Like, look, they already established that in the pre-title sequence. When the gen- when, when, when Moon's father, the general, is driving towards the base, he phones in on the radio and says, why is there a fire coming from the base? Yes. Because they're using weapons in the demilitarized zone. So already the powers that be in North Korea would be like, are what against the fuck the are moon? you doing? Yeah, what like, are you doing? Don't turn Moon into some weird DNA-swapped British pompous nit that turns into Iron Man. Oh my God. Like Robocop on a plane. Ro- yeah, Robocop meets bloody Palpatine. Oh. <laughs> Awful. It makes Mr. Freeze look good. It yeah. does. It really does. Nice to meet you yeah. is a good line. <laughs> cool off. <laughs> Chill. <laughs> Chill. Like, what? Jeez. The opening Jeez. sequence for me at least had traces and potential of hope. and It's also the, I think... The only stunt done for real, apart from the ice chase with the the Jaguar and the um, Aston Martin, oh, it's the only stunt done for real with the hovercraft. Yeah, and the uh, surfing down the the massive the waves. Big waves. Uh, uh, little behind the scenes fact there. Mm. They that is not North Korea. Oh, lo and behold, <laughs> um, they actually shot that uh, at uh, Jaws. In Hawaii. Mm. Oh, wow. So a little bit of uh, oh, wow, yeah, uh, yeah, aloha. There you go. Um, they, which uh, is apparently that's where the biggest waves in the world are. Yeah, it's a really tough beach to to surf. Like, and it is impressive seeing these, you know, three people Just kind surf of down these too, extraordinary right? waves. The day for night is not done very well. Oh, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it, but it's. Mm. I don't mm. like day for night. Mm. I don't like day for night in anything in this millennium. Yeah, yeah. If you're yeah. in the twentieth century, we got low light cameras now. Guys. Fine, exactly. No excuse. Exactly. Yeah. No excuse. Uh, there's no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm even shitting on that. <laughs> and that's a bit that I like. <laughs> um, 
I agree with you. I think the pre-title sequence is a really interesting start to what could be a really interesting other movie. Yeah. Mm. There were traces of another film in there. What did you think of the pre-title sequence? You've been a bit hush on this. Well, I thought it was... You weren't enjoy. I, 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 I must say this. Yeah. You, you, I don't think any of this. I didn't really like film. any of it. No. I the, even in the films that we've seen so far, mm. and you've liked all of them. Yeah, loved all. Of them. Um, there's been moments where you've fallen in and out with all of them. Mm. This one, I never, I never felt you. I wasn't in. in. It. No, I wasn't. Yeah. In. I, it was just poorly covered. I mean, it was just. I never really knew where I was. I never really knew where I was, even in it. Like I obviously I knew where we were and what was going on, but sure. yeah, just the reliance on I don't know on the overcutting from the get go. I knew it was going to be bad from the get go. You you called that remarkably early in too. the opening sequence, in the pre-title sequence. Yeah, you, you know, were like, you were, Jesus, stop the, cutting. There's yeah, a shot yeah. of the Korean base when that when it first gets kind of blown up, and I think that there's actually three or four shots of the of the, the building explosion. getting blown up, just the building. Mm. Yeah, and you were jerking yes. away from the screen, that's physically the being repulsed yeah. by the amount of editing going on. Exactly, too much, and then all throughout the the hovercraft chase. I mean, I was placing myself there and going, the action is interesting. Yes. The I don't know where shot, I am. The way it's shot isn't. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. that kills me. To see, to see all the work of all these countless other individuals yeah. go to waste. Yes. I hate that. I hate it, seeing it, that. I, I really... Yes, mm. I, I, I bloody agree. And, yeah. I, and I, I think it's such a bloody shame because mm. Chris Corbold and his team mm. are fan-fucking-tastic. Mm. They nail every single stunt yep. that they are given. It's mm. amazing stuff. They are constantly nail it. Yep. And this doesn't capture that extraordinary stunt work. They are driving fucking hovercrafts. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, this is the best bit. This is the bit I kind of liked yeah. of the film. And I'm still like, Jesus Christ, pay some respect to the people who are actually doing this putting their lives on yeah, the line 100 yeah. percent. i think the hovercraft sequence could have been on par or at least close to the boat chase sequence yes in living Let absolutely like it could have been at that level all the boat chase sequence in which we haven't watched together yet the world is not enough right okay. the opening bloody tight i mean the, the pre-title sequence in the world is not enough mm. if that had been attached mm. to the 40th anniversary film I mean, gee whiz, we would be we'd be having a different conversation right now. Mm. If the world is not enough was the film released on the fortieth anniversary, I think we'd be having a very, very different conversation right now. Mm. It's a shame because the Brosnan films alone have extraordinary pre-title sequences. Goldeneye has that. Amazing Whoa. bungee jump that yes. they do at the oh, start. God. How bloody one of the good! Best. One of the best. One Done best. for real. Done for mm-hmm. real. Mm-hmm. At the start of Tomorrow Never Dies, which we haven't watched together yet, uh, there is the um, fantastic. There's like this fighter jet um, sequence, wow. which is done for real, See? and it is extraordinary. The opening boat chase of the world is not enough is done for real, mm-hmm. and it is extraordinary. I must say, the opening title se- pre-title sequence of Die Another Day, it's done for real, 
but is it covered in any way that's intelligible, that kind of makes sense, that tells the story? No, it's over-edited. Mm-hmm. It's over-edited. Mm. It, it, it's, it's funny watching there's this no, today. There's no fixed perspective. No, no it's just every... It's, there's it's no respect the, to any sort of line or perspective. No, it's just it's a vomit. Coming from a John Glenn Bond into this, it's like... This guy doesn't know who he's aligned with. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. know who he's yeah. aligned with yeah. in a scene. Yeah. Um, John Glenn, I mean, Martin Campbell even. Like, yeah. you know, like, it's just, it doesn't make sense. Because that, that first scene, I mean, if we're to really drill into it, that first scene is about Bond's perspective. Yeah. It's about Bond being in a position where he's all of a sudden trapped and has to get out. When the, when the building explodes, it should be how that relates to Bond. Mm-hmm. It should be Bond running away from that. But we lose sight of Bond in that moment. Yeah. We're not with him. Because we want five we different want to see shots of the compound exactly. exploding. You need one with Bond in the foreground running away and the thing exploding in the background. You've told your story. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's immature. It, it, it is. It's immature. And, and this film, because when people have a go at Quantum of Solace, and look, I will see the point that it is over-edited in points, mm. at, to a point. Mm-hmm. It's at least going for something. Mm. It's at least trying to incorporate <clears throat> that into the style. The way it was shot had the edits in mind. Yes. Yeah. This has been was not shot with that in mind, and the edits are just... There's no forethought. No. I think when you talk about the worst edited Bond film, you should not say Quantum of Solace. No way. You should say this film. Mm. I think every example of what not to do is this film. I think this film is the go-to manual for (laughs) anyone who is new to directing a Bond film. They have to sit through that (laughs) two hours and 12 minutes Mm. and go... Don't do any of this. (laughs) Anything. If any of this appeals to you, there's the door. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Am I right, Flops, or am I right? Baron Samadou, Flops. (laughs) And I have to let you guys talk because I'm getting getting het up. (laughs) Well, i got to say, I was expecting a bad title sequence because I know it's a an awful god awful song yep the worst but that title sequence <laughs> was god. atrocious my god it was atrocious the anim I mean Daniel Kleinman's done some great work he really has yeah the animation of the the, the weird jerky animation of the fire and the ice ladies no. the way that they intercut elements of the torture that everything was wrong no. everything was wrong although I will say this Daniel Kleinman always matches the tone of the film, mm. and the title sequence perfectly matches. The Writings on the of wall. This film. Writings on the wall. Isn't it? Mm. Isn't it just? Mm. I mean, this title sequence. Really, if you showed that title sequence to someone um, separate of any other part of this film and went, "Would you want to watch this film?" 
I mean, I think you'd get your answer. <laughs> it's not a Bond title sequence. No. And he tries very hard to incorporate the Bond elements. Yeah. Very hard. Yeah. I that mean, ice there's... woman swimming in front of his face. Oh. Yes. To I bring mean, us into the title sequence. The, the one part of that title sequence where I go, ooh, there's Daniel Kleinman, is um, I think it's... I can't remember exactly what's written over it. I think it's... Um, Albert R. Broccoli's Eon Productions presents. I right. think that's what's written in in front of this um, screen. Is the um, the golden eye that oh. opens up? There's this one shot. It's very easy to to forget it or mm. miss it. Um, it's a, a the close up of a person's eye, and the uh, the color of the what is that? It's not the retina. What is that? The iris. The iris. Is, is that where the color is in the eye? <coughs> uh. Yeah, yes, the iris is golden, and right. the eye opens up, and I believe it says Albert R. Broccoli's Eon Productions presents. Right. That was the one moment in the title sequence where I went, ooh, mm-hmm. beautiful. But mm. I think he sums up the film. <laughs> I think the song sums up the film too. The song you don't want to listen to it. Just, <laughs> you don't want to watch it. It yeah. hits a ceiling. It just hits a ceiling, and it... There's no journey. There's it no doesn't journey. go anywhere. It no. doesn't lift. It doesn't elevate me into this place of excitement or, you know, it doesn't inspire. It doesn't energize. It just, it's a limited melody. Mm. It doesn't lift. It just, it's a one note just mm-hmm. all the way yeah. through. And the technology doesn't work. It doesn't hold up. A couple of episodes ago, I said that I thought The Living Daylights was one of the worst Bond themes. Yeah. I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about this. <laughs> this is fucking awful. <laughs> this makes is bad. the living daylight, daylights look like a masterpiece. Well, yeah, John Barry was able to use the 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 melody the theme. of the living daylights. Yeah, you could turn it into a. You could reorchestrate it. David Arnold, he was shit out of luck with this. No. Madonna must have turned this in, and David Arnold would have been like. So we're not using that, are we? Just right. not going to use that? No, we have to. <laughs> but we can't. There's no melody. <laughs> God, they... D- David Arnold. I, I, I know I'm jumping ahead here, but I have to sing. I feel like I've shut on this film for 40 minutes. <laughs> I have to sing David Arnold's praises. Yeah. Mm. I really do. For sure. Every single moment that the music kicks in, he is trying to remind you that this is a Bond film. Yeah. Mm. And there are, there are echoes of some of his best work in this. Yeah. I'd be interested to know what he was fighting too. You know, like I, I kind of joked in the screening about, you know, the licensing team or what was going on there because you have these moments of all of a sudden you reveal the, the ice lair and, and it's a rave. It's a techno rave and there's some weird track or the London mm, Calling. Mm, mm, that was Die Another Day. That was like, the remix yeah, of the theme yeah. of Die Another Day. Like, playing at the Ice Palace. Yeah, and we've London only a couple calling. of episodes this is a seen film. the theme song of the film been incorporated in a really clever, classy way in mm. Live and Let Die. Yeah. And then we see this. Mm. We see this. <laughs> <laughs> and London Calling, whatever choice that was. Yeah. No, that, that's Lee Tamahori. Yeah. For sure that's Come Lee Tamahori. Mm. Oh, do you get it? It's London. We've gone back to London. Oh. So London's calling. Oh, 
What and about a, a sexy David Arnold score to take yeah. us back to the homeland? The man knows how to bloody do those. Oh. Like that guy knows how to introduce you to a locale. It is a travesty that he has not done a Bond theme since 2008. Mm. Yeah. We are 12 years since the last David back. Arnold score. Isn't that a long time? It is. Yeah. Too long. It's too long. He'll come it's back. It's too to long. Next he bloody better because he is fantastic. Yeah. I know that every Bond fan says this, but Jesus Christ, you don't let Barry go and you don't let Arnold go. No. If Arnold is still making great music, which he is, I mean, the Sherlock theme is him. Yeah. The new Dracula BBC miniseries, which I watched, it's fantastic and it's got fantastic music. Mm. God damn it, get that man bad. <laughs> Why, why did he? Why did we lose him? Because Mendes brought his own crew. Mendes got Thomas Newman in. He wanted Thomas, and then Thomas Newman came back because Mendes came back. Mm. Um, the, if the rumours are to believed at the time of uh, recording, Hans Zimmer is to be doing the. Yeah, the look, that looks pretty official. Um, I even think it. Um, it does look pretty official. Yeah. Um, we haven't had any confirmation from anyone in the team. There was a fake Carrie Fukunaga. That was fake. That was fake. Oh. Yes. Did you see this? I did see this. Oh, wonderful! We're doing bond news within the bloody review oh. because who cares about Die Another Day? Oh, talk about the bloody things. cares. <laughs> they didn't care about us. Uh, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't look like that's officially confirmed. That was fake. Yeah, it's a fake Facebook page, apparently. Uh, Apparently, his only social media profile for Kari Fukunaga is Instagram, if you're listening to this. Right. Um, Yeah, and there's nothing on Instagram. There's nothing on the official James Bond pages. It's only in Variety, Hollywood Reporter, and a couple of other places. The jury's still out. Jury's still out. I think... The amount of chat there's been over the last three months, I think he's pretty it's much looking pretty certain. Confirmed, right? I think he's confirmed. Uh, if not him, it's someone from his uh, company. Yeah, he's got a little team now. Yeah, he's mm. got a fantastic team. Mm. Lorna Balfa, um, who did the the most recent Mission Impossible film. I think Zimmer would love to do a bond. I think he'd nail it too. Mm. For I sure. I mean, mm. listen to his his score of Inception, which is yeah. essentially on a Majesty's Secret Service. <laughs> mm. But seriously, yeah. he bloody nails it yeah. in the same way that Arnold nails it. And Arnold, God bless him, he bloody put his heart and soul into saving this film. Yeah. I don't think he succeeds. <coughs> no, he did. I think the soundtrack did. by itself, you can listen to that, and it's uh, it's pretty good for the most part. Mm. But. He was swimming Jesus. upstream, and it was a strong current. <laughs> yeah. He died in a rip. <laughs> Someone else finished the film. Yeah. Put his hand up. There were no lifeguards. It's not good. It's not good. He's three kilometres out from shore. The lifeguards were talking to Halle Berry. <laughs> yeah. Who appeared out of the water in slow motion. Oh, oh all right. Let's talk about the plot. <laughs> Let's talk about the plot. Um, should what we talk? They lost it. They, they lost, lost, they lost they the lost plot. It. What plot? What plot? I don't know. So let's try and figure this let's, out. Yeah, let's actually try start, and piece this thing together. There's a North Korean guy who is trading arms for diamonds. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Colonel Tansun Moon. Yep. Uh, that gets... Now he's killed. Infiltrated. Well, as far as we know, he, he gets infiltrated by Bond. Yes. And uh, he kills... Uh, Colonel Tansun Moon. Yes, we're doing uh, inverted commas, in, by the yeah, way. Yeah, we're doing yeah, yeah, bunny ears. <laughs> yep. 
Uh, Old mate gets that, a face full of diamonds. He gets a face full of diamonds. We mm-hmm. don't see him escape, but he presumably he gets, escapes. He gets yeah. Bond, after killing Tansen Moon, killing in Bunny Ears, yep. um, gets captured by his uh, Sun Moon's father. His Farsha. His Farsha. His Farsha. Let's talk in uh, Austin Powers <laughs> references because <laughs> this is an Austin Powers film. <laughs> um, uh, he gets kidnapped by his Farsha. <laughs> And he is tortured for 14 months. Yeah. Doesn't lose an ounce of weight. He spends no, more than a lose. year. He's bloody well fed. He's well fed. <laughs> bloody well fed. But no Gillette Razor sponsorship. No, Razor no, no, sponsorship. No, no. Not in this film. No, we need Bond with a big gum up. He needs the beard. He needs to look like a Jesus. <laughs> and then he gets traded. And then he, he gets, gets traded, traded for, for oh wait for diamond it diamond face diamond face a Zhao yes. who has apparently <laughs> blown up some Hong Kong consulate and Korea yeah. wanted him even though they don't care for him yeah yeah because what? they seem to just let him go after they've got him back yeah, yeah. he was he's out in the bloody wild he goes and he yeah and then uh, we, and we but go all on, the while on. all the while Moon wasn't killed well we don't get to that yet no 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 yeah we're not there oh. yet. Because as Bond gets traded for Zhao, for some reason, mm. because God knows, for some reason Korea wanted Zhao back. Yeah, but Nobody they wants don't Bond keep back. him. No one wants Bond back. Even they M says your freedom came at too high M a price. says that. Michael Madsen, who God knows why he's in this film, Michael Madsen says, look at him, you'd think he's some kind of hero. So obviously, the Ameri- why are the Americans there What's he doing? in any case? But they've got Bond back and they put him in some weird cell on he some fakes, weird shit on the coast of Hong Kong. Mm. M comes in and says, you're no longer a double O. Your freedom came at too high a price. You're fucking done, mate. <laughs> he fakes a heart attack. And then he fakes a heart attack. Yeah, he goes like, into cardiac arrest. Yeah, because he thinks about his torture. Yeah. <laughs> Objectifies some poor woman who loves it. Oh, yeah, the yeah. look. The little sideways look that the nurse gives oh, him. Yeah, yeah. Well, after, after he says... Oh, thanks for the kiss of life. I've just killed your two doctor friends. They're dead. I've just zapped them. Like, that's enough to kill a person oh. with a fucking heartbeat. Oh. Like, someone who's still upright conscious, getting Get zapped pumped. by that, they're in intensive care at the best. Yeah. I mean, they were not spring chickens either. I think one of them's dead. <laughs> but, but the she, nurse is still up for it. But she's up for it. She's oh, up for it. On. She gives a little sultry look. And then Bond, in a very Johnny English move, dives off the edge of the ship and then apparently just Swims after all sure. this torture, after all this intense After being care, in cardiac arrest <laughs> yeah, only moments he ago. swims five kilometres into shore, into Hong Kong. Figures out he needs to go to Havana. Yeah, it figures out because he sees some guy that at the that runs the hotel who's Hong Kong intelligence. Oh yes, yes, yes. Who wants Zhao because the Zao weird masseuse the moment. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, again thing. another yeah. weird gratuitous, you know, over over, way over the top. I'm not that kind of masseuse, and he's yeah. still kissing her neck. I'm not that kind of like, customer. Yeah. yeah. What is that? Yes, you are. Yeah, yeah. weirdo. Yeah, by the way, you're bloody holding her there. Groping her. Yes, you bloody are. Mm. Jesus, they do Brosnan dirty in this. Yeah. Oh my God, we're going beat by beat on this. We're, we're really getting done into it. this on a Bond film. <laughs> we're dissecting this. <laughs> um, after that, he gets a ticket to Havana. He meets up with God knows Who's who. Him? Some random. He's got well, a boat. Hong, Hong Kong gave him a bit of money, a passport, and a ticket. Uh-huh. So he's got that money to get him there. 
Who the fuck is this guy with the cigars? With the cigars? How does he get in touch with this guy? That's not made clear. No, he and just this guy's like, I'm very loyal to my country. I would never betray my country. He's like, oh, I'd never ask you to betray your country. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going hard on this. <laughs> and then we meet Hallie. Out and of the water she comes. Because we hear about some bloody cryogenic fuck. DNA thing. She oh. pops out of the water in slow motion. He's got binoculars that work in slow motion. <laughs> For God knows. Delete Tamahori, you son of a bitch. <laughs> She comes out. <coughs> the entire meeting scene between them is just horrible one-liners. Aside from it being, uh, again, another gratuitous reference to Dr. No, why on earth has she got a knife on her hip? Yeah, she doesn't need At one. least Honey Ryder was out there... She was hunting for shells. Collecting shells. on rocks. Halle, ha- Halle-, Halle is going for a swim and spends about five minutes just... Like, rubbing her face and hair in the waves before she gets out of the ocean. And then, after a really bloody awkward uh, set of... Meat cute. Yeah, a meat cute, if you could call it that. A meat gross. Uh, We then have uh, an extraordinarily gross scene. It really is gross. It's too much. It's too much much for a Bond film. It's too much eating face. You, You can get... Sexual and sensual in Absolutely. a Bond film. I think we talked about this mm. earlier in the podcast. You can get sexual, you can get sensual, but there gets a point where it's like, if this isn't feeding the story, then it's then gratuitous. what's the bloody yeah. point of this? Because I was thinking about it when I was watching it. I was like, why do I feel so uncomfortable? We've yeah. never had this thing. And I was like, well, we have had make-out scenes and kind of almost pre-coital, mid-coital kind of scenes. And the one that sprung to mind was the one in Casino Royale, the film that follows this, where he is, um, he's got Katarina Munro, the one... Yeah, they're who, kissing. And they're kissing and, you know, you know, he's kind of trying to for, forgive this, but pump her for information. <laughs> right. And we're pre-coital, but there's a lot of kissing and... You know, there's a lot of that going on. It's very, very sexually charged. Uh, charged. Right. But it's still a scene. Mm. We're yeah, still getting is. information. It's yeah. It's servicing the plot. Mm. We cut after this weird meat gross into near porn. Yeah. Mm. It's the precursor to porn. It's just nothing they say in it makes any... any they don't really say anything. Where does she get the fig from? <laughs> Where does she get the knife from? What? Yeah, whips out a knife, then whips out a fig, mm. eats it, and then... Force speeds Bond. Force speeds Bond with her tongue. It's mm. just... It's dumb. What? It's, it's, dumb. Really it's really dumb. dumb. It's like it's so prepubescent. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so prepubescent. Yeah. There's no... There's no thinking, okay, what comes next? Yeah. Yeah. What happens after this? I'll tell you what happens next. We go to a weird DNA clinic on an island off the coast of Havana. <sighs> Halle Berry's there because she's an agent of some... She's the NSA, she's we NSA. come to learn. Yeah, National Security Agency for those playing at home. <laughs> They're definitely involved in international bloody affairs. What's she doing? What is she doing there? Pretending to get surgery done and then killing the doctor. Just yeah. to kill him. Yeah. So what's her mission? What's going what's... on there? So this this is my thing. If that's her mission is to kill this guy, right? Why? 
Well, even regardless of why, yeah. she succeeded. She killed the guy. Mission accomplished. Why does she pop up later in the film? She <laughs> never makes it clear that she's investigating Zhao or Gustav Graves. Because once she kills that doctor, she doesn't try to investigate Zhao. No. At all. She doesn't know who she is. She gets out of there. She gets the fuck out of there. No, she tries to shoot him. In the plane. In oh, the she tries to shoot him when in he's the running plane. For the, the helicopter. For but the that's yeah. by pure coincidence. Yeah. Because when she pops out of the office, she's like, Oh, James, what are you doing here? Yeah. And he's like, Get out of the way, James. You gotta get out of here. Get to the job. <laughs> <laughs> it's by pure coincidence that she comes across Zhao in the chopper. It's never made clear that she is investigating. If it is, I've watched this film a fucking way too many times. I've never been able to make sense of why she continues on in this story. Why is she at the fucking ass palace? Who invited her? Yeah. Who invited her? How does she know it exists? Why would Gustav Graves invite an NSA agent? No, she dropped in through the... Uh, through the through no, the no, she's there before that. She rocks up in a car. She rocks, she rocks up. up in the red car. Yeah, she rocks up in a little red car. So she why gets she out in her leather. Ceiling? Oh, because that's her little... In You know, she's... Doing a spy shit. Oh my god! <laughs> it's so shit. Nothing is motivated. It's Nothing just makes sense. what's. How do we get to the next scene? We need to get Jinx and Bond in this scene. How do we do it? Okay, she goes through the roof and uh, he fucks Miranda Frost. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was weird, wasn't it? Oh yeah, we're not there yet. We're not, yeah, we're yeah. Not there yet. Halle Berry dives off the uh, so cliff. Halle Berry, yeah, backflips into a CGI wall. Oh. Do it for real. They, oh, mate, they did it for real. real. You do, do that, that for, real. for real, don't you? They did in Goldeneye. What's oh, your excuse? It, oh, it never ages. It never ages if you do CGI, Jake. <laughs> after that, what bloody happens there? Do, do we meet Gustav? Oh, yeah, we meet after Gustav. that, yes. So Bond, while Halle Berry is killing old mate who does all the DNA replacement, Bond has a slow motion sped up fight scene with Zhao, Mm -hmm. who's halfway through his DNA replacement. In a gratuitous shot, he snaps this pendant off off Zhao's chest, which just so happens to contain this vial of diamonds, which just so happens to have GG, Gustav Graves' initials, engraved on it. Mm. So we cut then from Cuba back to London with a ridiculous homage to The Spy Who Loved Me, an iconic moment in Bond history. Gustav Graves jumps out of a a helicopter. It was a helicopter, yes? Was it a helicopter or a plane? Who cares? (laughs) They don't care. Why should we care? Uh, Jumps out of a helicopter and he pulls open a parachute. What's on the parachute? United Kingdom's the Union Jack. Even though he's Korean. Yeah. But he's pretending to be British. <laughs> he's yeah. pretending. He modelled himself on Bond, don't you see? The guy that he met for all of through yeah. 30 seconds. Fucking 40 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Jesus. Is that enough to leave a lasting impression? I don't think so. Mm. Anyway, he lands. We get some really bad exposition from the journalists. I'm doing bunny ears again. The journalists that are on the ground who essentially lay out his life story to us. Bond is, of course, somewhere in the crowd listening to this. We see Miranda Frost, who is his PA now. Who's all fighting friend. Even though she won gold at the Olympics, Olympics two years before this. She's, That's right. She's now a PA. And an MI6 agent. <laughs> and she's an MI6 <laughs> she's agent. MI6. She can do anything! <laughs> 
Anyway, after that, Bond tracks Gustav Graves to Blades, which is a fencing club, fencing which club. is a, uh, a homage to the novel Moonraker, oh. uh, which is my favourite Fleming novel, and I'm ashamed that they ripped it off in this way. Blades is a club uh, in uh, Fleming's Moonraker, uh, which is like a gentleman's club. Right. And M suspects this guy, Hugo Drax, of cheating at cards, bridge, and he invites Bond along to play Hugo because he knows he's the best card player in the service. But they use Blades as a homage. Sword fighting. Yes, as a uh, sword fighting place because they're fencing and swords and blades. Uh Do you get it? Do you get it? Right, right. So they do that. This Madonna, is where the film really Ma- jumps the shark for Madonna's me. Madonna's there. Oh, I thought I thought it jumped the shark about half an hour ago. Actually. Oh, like I think in Cuba, that that shark is just like yeah. <laughs> but like this is where it becomes. I mean, it's already nonsensical. Yeah, but just it becomes nonsensical to the people in the world at this point. It's so ridiculous. You're so right. Yeah. Please elaborate on that because, again, for 20 minutes, I've just been ranting. <laughs> well, I mean, you get this fencing scene and, and Bond starts fighting. Mm. We're in a gentleman's club. Yep. We've got a, a multi-millionaire, yep. philanthropist man yeah. who is respectable, whatever. He's got all these people around him who respect and admire him. Mm-hmm. You've got Bond, who's supposed to be some esteemed guy. Mm-hmm. They engage in a gentlemanly fight. Which turns into a fucking brawl, yeah. which is happening like a, a really seriously dramatic stakes sword fight, which goes out into the corridor, down the steps. No one stops them. Or damages a priceless, damages a priceless painting, painting. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah. Like, it looks like a fairly where's old Where's the logic in this? Where is the logic in this? Oh, I don't cool. understand it. It was left behind in the world as not enough. Yeah. <laughs> There is no logic in this. There's film. no logic. No. You're having a sword fight in a cool old building because you want a sword fight in a cool old building. Yeah. But you don't care one iota for that character, what it, plot, what it actually intention. Means. Yeah. What's uh, going on? Why God. is Madonna there? Nothing. Why is Madonna there? I actually have to focus on this. We have to talk about this right fucking now. <laughs> why is Madonna there? Why is Madonna there? And why... Was why? her caveat that if she did the theme song, she'd, get, she'd a get a part? What was the enticement to the producers at that point? We're talking 2002. Madonna's she's not... She's past her prime. But yeah. she's, like, she's not old news, but mm. it's not like she's Britney Spears or NSYNC. Mm. She's not the hot thing. She probably hasn't really been the hot thing since... Ten years. Yeah, the mm. 80s. Mm. It's a weird thing because I think Madonna is a fantastic artist. I think she's got a fantastic back catalogue. Yeah. I think her career is, in and of itself, you could make a movie about. I think she's an extraordinary woman. Her theme song for Die Another Day is so unremarkable that it's actually remarkable in how bad it is. (laughs) Um... It doesn't sound like any of Madonna's work past, uh, previous or since. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't understand how she could be the draw card to get an audience in to listen. She's not. To it's, that. An, it's an ego thing Why for her. Why? And yeah, they're allowing it because of maybe some weird relationship they have with her. Who knows? But I'm just how guessing. could they have a relationship? Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, you've gone. <clears throat> 
you've gone Tina Turner, who was probably a bit of a throwback to the 80s when you did 95's Golden Eye. Yep. Then you did Cheryl Crow, who was very much of the time in 97. Then you go to Garbage in 99, who are very much of the time. 2002, I don't think anyone's thinking Madonna no. in no. 2002. Unless they're thinking Swept Away. Christ, did that oh, it's come out that year? Maybe. I think that was Gee, not a not a good not time. a not a good couple of years for Madonna. <laughs> Gee whiz! Gee whiz! Mm. Oh Christ! Where were we up to in the plot? Well, we've got we finished. We finished the sword fight. We sh- we finished this outrageous sword fight with the two men beaten and bloodied in the in the, in the downstairs courtyard. An ego fight. In, uh, yeah, basically an ego fight. A interrupted cop fight, as cop Madonna fight. says. Exactly yeah. interrupted by Rosamund Pike. A gold medal winner mm-hmm. um, by and, default at and, the Sydney Olympics and MI6 agent. Mm-hmm. Where are we off to next? Well, he, Bond, gets, a, he gets an invitation from Gustav Graves to go to Iceland on the weekend. Yes, he goes and sees M in the tunnel, and then he gets a key. Yeah, yeah. he gets the key. To the, yeah, the because we have to reference George Lazenby's little yeah, we've lamp got to go, we've got to go past George's lamp or whatever that is. Yeah. And we go to this abandoned station for abandonations agents, and M is just standing there. How long has she been standing there? Did she know what time Bond was going to get there? Mm. Who cares? Who cares? Her schedule was cleared. She could stand there. Yeah, there's no other double O's. There's no other foreign affairs she needs to deal with. She, mm. It's just Bond. Someone who's on the lam and has been disavowed from the double O's. She had Q's wacky glasses on and was just sitting there for hours in some fantasy (laughs) recreation. She was doing VR. She was VR (laughs) VR work. Pause for just one second. I'm just going to open the the door. I'm going to edit this out, of course. Mm. It's just very bloody hot in here. There we go. Concert's finished. And we and we finally get the cue scene. Yes. However long we are in this movie, I think we we're roughly an hour. I think we're about, we're about an hour. About again. now. Yeah. We get we finally get a, a cue scene with John Cleese. So this means that James is now back on the books. Well, he's not rogue yeah, because, anymore. Because they unofficially. want the info of Gustav that he has. Yeah. M is like, tell me what you know about Gustav. He's like, all right, you you think I'm I'm worth something now, mm, do you? You're interested in him. Yeah, yeah. I thought a couple of days ago I was useless. Mm. There's that kind of you know, blah blah blah, ratata. Which finally we get a glimpse, thanks to Dame Judy, of an essence of a Bond film, of an yeah, essence of yeah, of, that's of very reality. True. That's very true. Of genuine and I th- and stake I think and concern. Brosnan does very well opposite Judy. It's something we said mm. uh, in the Living Daylights episode a couple of episodes ago, two episodes ago, I suppose, mm. um, that every scene that Dalton was in, yes. he kind of elevated yes. the other actors that he was with. Judy Dench definitely mm. does that. Interesting. And we get the gadgets underground, and we finally meet the Vanish. <laughs> the invisible car. Oh, the crucial piece of gadgetry. 
What what did you think about all the the gadgets? Because there's a lot of references to past Bond films, a lot of which both of you haven't seen yet. Yeah, yeah, a lot of those references uh, went over my head. Yeah. Look, I love a Q scene. I thought it was an okay Q scene. I think it was all right. I think John did a pretty good job. Yeah. To be honest, I thought he had a really nice dry wit. Yeah. Um, Would have liked to have seen him. Do I think more it could have developed. You know, mm. it's a bit of a shame that he only gets the one go. Mm. It is a bit like a lot of the film. It's a gimmick. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a gimmick having the Monty Python guy, and even being so bold as to have a reference to a Monty Python film. Oh, it's, it's merely a flesh wound. It's a flesh wound. Like yeah. what? It gets. Yeah. You, it's, it's that self-aware. It's that yeah. ego-driven that you've got to reference a Monty Python film mm. because John Cleese is playing Q. Yeah. Look, the car I thought was great. I, you you said it yourself in the screening. It's one of their best looking Aston Martins. And they turn yeah. it invisible. And you never see the damn yeah, thing. You don't see it. <laughs> you see it a little bit. For yeah, maybe what, fifteen seconds? Yeah. It, it's pretty visible in the snow chase scene because the, the he shoots. That's true. Yeah, yeah when, that's when, true. He gets the, the yeah. camouflage. Mm. He shoots that out. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, the camouflage yeah. serves Malfunction. no purpose. Yeah. Yeah. No, it doesn't, because it by the purpose. time we get to the very end, and that, granted, quite amazingly choreographed car chase through the ice palace, mm. um, Bond deploying the traction spikes and then reversing up the ice ramp... Well, it restores itself by then. It does, it does. Yes. It says, camouflage restored, or yeah. disguise. It doesn't need to be. No. He still could have stuck the spikes in and driven back just yeah, in time, the and the guy it, drove through. It doesn't through. serve the plot. No, it doesn't. No. And I mean, a lot of uh, other Bond films have been accused that, you know, the gadgets kind of, you go, oh, okay, so he's going to use that in this and in that way, and it'll save him this way. That's fine, that's why they're there. That's the formula, yeah, yeah, sure. But this, it's there, and it's such a silly gimmick that actually doesn't even serve the plot. You don't need it. Like, if he wasn't invisible, he could still have had the traction control 100%. and just at the last minute reversed up the wall as the Jaguar goes through. He doesn't need to be invisible. It's not like him going invisible makes the guy go, oh, well, I can go through this part now. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, it's ridiculous. ridiculous. It doesn't need to be there. Mm. Like, I don't care how practical that effect is nowadays you know yeah. what i mean like oh we can do that now yeah who cares who cares so we finally meet gustav eventually i might be jumping ahead a little bit but well we, we met him at blades well we did right yeah. so we, get we, to the ice we get to, we get to, we get to the, the ice, ice palace, palace yes a la sydney opera house yeah um, yeah 2.0 and then a whole bunch of shit happens which is just that i mean i want to know I want to know. Oh, we we find out that Gustav is actually. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Colonel Tansom. Mm. Plot DNA. twist. Yeah, plot twist. Oh, M Nachamala. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what's more offensive: the fact that you know you actually set up a pretty interesting villain with an actual Korean actor. I mean, I assume he's Korean. I hope he's a Korean actor. You've set up a really interesting villain mm. with Colonel Tan Sun Moon at yep. the start. Yep. Just fucking bring him back. Yep. No, no. Why do you have to make him now a white guy? We're going to bring back a white British fella. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I based him on Bond. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a black mirror of mm. Bond. Mm. No, it's not. No, it isn't. Of what Bond is that? 
It's tough because Toby Stevens is a fantastic actor outside of this film. Yep. He's a fantastic actor. Everything I've seen him in, he's brilliant. He actually plays James Bond in the uh, BBC radio plays. I think it's BBC, but the, whoever does the radio plays mm. of the original Ian Fleming novels. Wow. And he's really good in them. He's great in Lost in Space and he's great in Black Flag. But in this, it's just, it's such a tough brief. It's, it's really not good. It's such a tough brief. There's a no, lot of grimacing. against a wall. There's a lot of yeah. face pulling. There's a lot of grimacing. It's really over the top. Like everyone, I think everyone's a victim of it. Save Dame Judy and maybe Rosman as well. But Yeah, Rosman comes out of this right pretty up, well, actually. Just everyone's up to 11. Uh, you're forcing the lines. You're forcing the drama. You're forcing your face to do all kinds of weird things. Yeah. It's just all too over the top. Mm. I mean, look, the dialogue doesn't help. No, it doesn't help. It really doesn't. Not help. at all. Where do where do we go from that? We finally we, look. We're with well, the, the ice palace, palace, and we're introduced to the mega weapon. Yes, the mega weapon. We see if we finally see a display of this massive. Where did this come sun from? Sun laser. Who financed the space mission <laughs> to rig up the giant <laughs> the lady? diamonds? The diamonds, diamonds. Fu- right? Yeah. So, how long has it taken him to build this space station? Who fourteen months. Who built it? Yeah, fourteen, it's taken 14, 14, in 14 months. months. Well, he didn't he's have it when built it. Yeah. Oh, my he's God. built it. He's had DNA reconstruction oh, surgery. Oh, he's a busy fella. He's launched us. Thank God he can't sleep. Oh yeah, yeah. Plenty of time to sleep. What did that have to do with anything? What's that got to do with anything? He can't bloody sleep. <laughs> What are you going on about? Yeah, and that doesn't come back. <laughs> but then we in see him sleeping. <laughs> he needs a dream machine. To dream machine. Oh, yeah. Oh. So essentially, he does sleep. He does sleep. It's just machine aided. Yeah. Yeah. I've like been on a respirator. Doesn't inform the plot at all. No. It's not a weakness. No. It doesn't come back as a foil in any way. No. It's ridiculous nonsense. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. After that, what happens? Oh, Bond kind of uh, investigates and uh, he sleeps with Miranda Frost. Yep. Pretty easily. As a as a cover. Even though she's like, cover. it ain't ever gone yeah. bad. Oh, I'm never going to sleep with you. You're a double O, but fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Come on. And the fact that the two of them are making out outside next door to the car when Mr. Kill and his henchmen are chasing them. Yeah. And he's standing right there. Mr. Kill is standing feet away from Bond. And just because he's macking on with... Uh, Rosamond. With Rosamond. Miranda Frost, we should yeah, say. Yeah, Miss Frost. Uh, they can't tell that it's him? Or no, maybe, no. They, maybe they let Miranda handle it because she's in on it. Oh, she's in on it. Maybe. That's the only way to justify That's the only that. way. But even then, it's a bit like, yeah, but it's Bond. You it's want him dead. Bond. Kill him. You know that the boss wants you him dead. You all want him dead. Yeah. You want Everyone him dead, Everyone wants him dead. Zhao wants him dead. Sun Moon wants him dead. This or is Gustav perfect Brave opportunity. Wants him dead. Kill him. Yeah. Just fucking kill him. You got him. It's not like the witnesses around you. He's dead. <laughs> It's not like the witnesses around you are going to go, why would you do that? Yeah. They were all in on it. Even she is. It's so dumb. Anyway, they sleep with each other. Uh, Bond puts Halle his... Berry's been invited to the to the Ice Palace and, and then zip lines into the um, oh, yes. forest room mm-hmm. for some reason. She's uh... investigating... 
Something. <laughs> Something? Let's imagine it Zhao. Does she care never, about Zhao now? Well, it's never bloody explained, like, is it? She fired a couple of shots at him on the on the DNA island, but yeah. what's going on now? Anyway, she has to be there. Can't dead. tie she's her a, down, though. She's a... Ah, ha, ha, can't, can't tie, tie her down. down. Yeah. Except if you missed a kill and you tie her down to a laser table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that's, that's foreshadowing in mm-hmm. the laser room. Mm-hmm. Far out. Again, another Bond reference. Yeah, and it's not done well. No, it was done well the first time. Yeah. Don't Don't build a film stuff. around homages and little it's, nods. It's like the moment in Quantum of Solace where they homage um, Goldfinger with the gold girl, golden girl on the bed. Right. And they have strawberry no, fields dipped in oil. Dipped in mm. oil. Mm. Oh, yes. Don't do it. You've already done it. Yep. Do something else. Yeah. Mm. Do something else. I've seen that film. Yes. You know what I mean? Because that's what we've discovered so far with watching all of the Bonds debut is that they reinvent Bond in a certain way. Yeah. You know, we've they com- do something new. We've complimented, you know, Moore made it his own. Dalton brought something different. Even Brosnan. Even, even Lazenby. Lazenby, you know, directly after the man himself. The even icon. Lazenby yeah. manages to, although there is a little bit of mimicry kind of going on there. It's still his own bond. Yeah. It's like we don't need to be jam-packed full of these references and hang-ons to past films. It's like we're smart enough to go along with Bond, mm-hmm. whoever he is this time. And we find that interesting because we're, we're seeing new flavours and new approaches and new takes on the character. This whole film is just laden with baggage, unnecessary baggage. I Pointless. 100% agree. Pointless. Where do we go from this? Uh, up, up into the sky. Oh, no, no, I don't think. Oh we no, we do the yet. tidal wave. Oh no, 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 no! Even before that, we get uh, Bond infiltrates after sleeping with Miranda. Mm. He infiltrates Gustav's uh, little hideout. Jesus, this plot is convoluted. It's all over the place. I can't keep up right now. We literally have to go beat for beat telling the story. We're retelling to everyone. To explain this How bloody this plot. He goes in and he discovers that Graves is actually Colonel Tansen Boone and that he based his new appearance off Bond himself. Mm-hmm. And then Miranda Frost comes in and we think she's going to help Bond, take yeah. Yeah, help Bond take Moon in. But no... She's revealed to be oh, a double agent. Mm. <laughs> oh, we didn't see that coming. Right. Oh, jeez. Just another, just another twist and turn. Mm. And we needed another one, didn't just we? Just add another one in there. There's too many Makes people. Makes M look stupid. Oh yeah, it really does. Yeah. Like, who the hell is doing the bloody background checks on these agents? Come on. And why are you hiring a bloody? Olympic athlete. What's going on there? Two years after she won the gold. She's a, <laughs> to be what, a an MI6 agent. To be Are a you serious? Uh. To be a PA for a bloody diamond magnet who's popped up in the last 12 months. Like, oh, well done. <laughs> well done, MI6. I'm so glad that you're in charge of national security. <laughs> Jesus, we're safe from 9-11. God. <laughs> Far out. Oh. Anyway, Bond escapes from that because he has a little ring and yeah. that, that, that destroys the glass. We got a little gadget scene. Little there gadget. you go, Jake. You got your little gadget. You got your gadget. 
I actually didn't mind that. Little, I, I actually didn't mind the ring. Pretty cool. cool. The, the ring. Is, the ring is fine. And I think John Cleese's demonstration of it in the Q scene is actually really good. Very nice. It's very cool. It's nice to see Q shoot a gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Straight at the camera. Bang, yeah. bang, bang. And it's that's really well done. I think sure. that's that's a tick for the film. And that's about it. Uh, <laughs> then from that, Bond uh, runs out onto the ice. Magically, the um, the fastest vehicle in the yeah, world that's, that's trying to break the, land, know, speed the land speed record. record and he does it just on. And he does it, and he beats Gustav Graves' score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why the and the not. massive sunbeam that's clearly yeah. outpacing him. Oh, but not really though, because we can just edit around that. <laughs> it doesn't matter what we've seen in a previous oh, shot. Oh God. Anyway, Bond uh, he goes over the cliff of the glacier. Over a cliff. He uses uh, part of that. Vehicle, the engine to, cover, yeah. yeah, the hood mm-hmm. to be a uh, surfboard, a makeshift surfboard of sorts. Takes he, out the emergency parachute yep. that slows the vehicle down and uses it as a wind. Yeah, uh, wind sail. Because, because the laser from space it's melted the glacier, cut part of the glacier off. Global warming. Global warming. Oh. We get a great line there, kind of. Head of its time. That. Head of its oh, time. Isn't it? Isn't it just mm. Australia's burning? <laughs> Uh, anyway, that happens. Bond falls down <laughs> with with uh, an engine hood on his feet, oh. an emergency parachute, and they do it for real. They, they do uh, do it for real. They do that stunt for real, where they parasail. What do you call that? Uh, you hang glide. Windsurfing. Windsurf. That's it. You windsurf. Who knows what he's doing? Down a real tsunami. Essentially, Essentially a big old Essentially wave. an yeah. Arctic tsunami. <laughs> well done well done but Bond's fine he's okay and then he goes Bond's back fine. and he saves old and he mate. gets back up he mm. gets back up up the top mm-hmm. he gets up that what is it 20 metre ice shelf bigger <laughs> at least 20 metres how to get back there <laughs> well, uses the wind yeah mm. from the tsunami <laughs> god um, he gets back up how were they on set? How were they on set picking through this? Like the script as a, supervisor. As an actor, like sitting around having these conversations, are you still like, so how do I get back up there? <laughs> <laughs> what? How, how does this work? And what am I, what am I trying to How do I get back to the ice palace? <laughs> and where's the sun laser? Where's that now? Directly behind you. Like, what? <laughs> Where are these conversations? Oh, mate. Because they, they, they had to have happened. Those conversations had to have happened. These yeah. are intelligent actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'd be sitting around before they start rehearsing, doing line runs and all kinds of stuff, talking about the given circumstances, the basic bread and butter of acting. <laughs> what were the responses? What were the answers given? Like, you can't answer them. Can't answer them. <laughs> Your face is glued to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's some of the direction getting so, shouted out? Bond ends up. Oh, he uses the uh, the emergency parachute. Yeah. He uses it as a garrote wire, essentially, of some poor guy on a snowmobile. Oh, That's yeah. Right. Knocks That's right. that guy off. I don't know who yeah. he was. Is that guy? Well, I think he is a henchman because eventually when is you go he? back to the, the ice palace 
everyone's riding those yellow um, snowmobiles with the yellow puffer jackets. Right. So he is a henchman, but what's he doing out there? What's out? Because we're bloody ages away from the goddamn base. Yeah. So far away that Bond needs to get this guy's snowmobile to to get get back to it. So what's he doing out there? None of this makes sense, Tamahori. (laughs) This is the Arctic. Jesus <laughs> Christ, you're in Iceland. <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Bond gets back without much of a to-do. Um, he jumps in his Aston Martin. Yeah, he gets back in the Aston. He gets in the Aston Martin. Mm-hmm. And old Diamond Face Zhao, yeah. he, so he jumps in his Jaguar. Yeah. There's a... <laughs> there's a chase. Yep, with Sun. plenty of those... <laughs> Slow motion, speed up the Matrix. Weird. Remember the Matrix. Just terrible coverage. Somehow, somehow, Zhao's Jaguar has been outfitted with the latest in Q branch technology (laughs) and weaponry. (laughs) Who's your car guy? Q. Oh, so is mine. Oh, where? Just had it into the shop. Yeah. These new rockets put in the front. Great insurance. Oh, it was amazing. Mine disappears. (laughs) Like. That moment for me is, in any other film, great. That's so interesting. I'd love the fact that the Bond villain yeah. has a kitted out car like Bond does. A rival. You just know there's a there's bad no guy Q somewhere. Yeah. But it's never established that no. he has a bad guy Q. Just apart from him. Blondie, who yeah. Oh, yeah. is somehow designing Looks like a Icarus thing. Oh. Is he the guy? Is he just... The timekeeper, you know? Oh, yeah. you're breaking your record, you're breaking your record. Well, then all apparently, of a sudden it comes a... apparently, he's the guy that's meant to make the Icarus controls more, more ergonomic. So instead of it being a joystick and a suitcase, yeah. he turns it into Robocop. Because <laughs> that's ergonomic. That's the definition of ergonomic. Yeah. Jesus Christ, Amahori. <laughs> <laughs> We're nearly there. We're not there. Uh, we're, not there we're ages away we're from the end of the plot. We've still got 45 minutes. We've got three hours left to talk about this film. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so we have the shoot 'em up They end up going into the Ice Palace. For some reason... Uh, oh, oh, that's right. By this point, Gustav and his henchmen, like Miranda Frost and Blondie, yep. they've all gotten into This massive plane. plane. It's taking off, and as it's taking off, the ice they go, time to give Jinx her bath, because Jinx is locked in her room in the ice palace, and yes. they're going to melt it and have her drown. Bond doesn't know that Jinx is in the ice palace. As far as he's aware, he set her free after the Mr. Kill scene, which we didn't really touch on, but it was the no. laser table. Yeah. Bullshit. <laughs> as far as Bond's aware, Jinx is free. Yeah. She's gone. She's yeah. out of there. She got out of there. She doesn't need to be there at that point. Bond, as he's evading this Jaguar, which is trying to kill him with rockets and God knows what other gadgets, mm. sees that the Ice Palace is uh, being lasered from space <laughs> the sun and goes, let's drive that way. Let's go there. Let's drive into the power of the inside sun. Let's go inside that. Yeah, <laughs> let's go inside that. Just a hunch. Yeah. Luckily, she's in there. They drive through... Zhao gets dispatched. It's a pretty cool death, I will say. The, the crystals falling Massive. on top of him, yeah. the blood going up through the water. In any other Bond film, it'd be a great death. Yeah. yeah. But in this, you just kind of go, who cares? Mm. Who cares? Next. 
nothing really matters. We uh, Jinx falls on his windshield. Yep. He does the ring again. She falls in the car, and instead of instantly trying to do CPR, this woman. he drives all the way out of the ice palace again. Yep, through a wall yes. in the ice palace for no reason, and uh, miraculously parks outside of the hot springs. And then outside of the hot springs, he just dunks her in this hot water and starts rubbing her boobs. <laughs> There's no CPR attempted. He's just rubbing her boobs yep. and dunking her under hot water. Two breaths on because the mouth she, and that's it. When you've drowned in ice cold water, all you need to do is put someone Warm in water. a spa and rub their tits. <laughs> that's all you got to do, isn't it? Come on, oh. come on, don't die on me. <laughs> it's such a bad resuscitation scene, and it's made even worse by the fact that in the very next film. We have an amazing attempt at resuscitation. Yeah. And it feeds into Darby's point of Bond being completely incapable. Mm. Yeah. Like, Bond wouldn't behave that way. Yeah. He knows basic first aid. Oh, my and God. And CPR is the most basic first aid training. Come on. He would know what to do. Yeah. It's just lazy. Anyway, Graves is up in his aeroplane... Final act. Yeah, Jesus Christ. There's still so much to go, though, isn't there? There really is. Jinx and Bond meet up with their respective heads of section. Uh, they say, oh, he's in North Korea and he's up in a plane. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he's great. How did he get in the plane again? How did, yeah, how did they get on the plane? Oh, they have those jets. Well, it's, it's landed in North Korea. They've somehow put them in North Korea. And then they get the wire cutters and they cut through the fence and they run behind the plane and That's they jump right. up through That's the right. wheel axle and they get That's on. right. Because they fly with their one-man little plane yeah, suits. They got their oh, of course. They get dropped into Korea on yeah. these weird halo jump spy planes. Yeah. Which are never explained. Yeah. I love the fact that, I love the fact that we can have a state-of-the-art DNA transformation clinic. But yep. the only way Bond can cut through a fence is still with a baby pair of pliers. <laughs> yeah. You know, that yeah. takes ages. Of all the moments. One little bit of wire at a time. It's like, no, no, we just, trans- we just transformed a man uh, using DNA technology, but poor old Bond's got a couple of, you know, pairs But one of the most scissors. iconic gadgets in the series, the laser watch. Yeah. No, we're not going to put that in. No, don't use That'd that. be too much, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be too much. We don't want to go overboard on this film. Get over the top. Yeah, be over the top. Pull that back. Bit of bolt cutters. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's get back to basics. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. And so that's how they get on the plane. So they get, on the, they plane. get on the plane. Look, I don't want to spend too much time going through the plot again on this plane. Bond fights bloody graves in a Robocop Palpatine oh, suit. With weird goggle eyes. And, weird oh. bug goggle eyes. <laughs> Jinx ends up sword fighting a semi-naked Miranda Frost. Yep. I was okay with that. Which Darby was fine with. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, And she gets stabbed with the samurai sword. uh, It's a little dagger. Oh, it's a dagger. Through the book. Which is, the book is The Art of War. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Slimbalism. Yeah, Yeah. Slimbalism. Oh, we love a bit of Slimbalism. (laughs) Uh, Because she says just before, I can read you like a book. And then Halle Berry goes... I've read a book. Read this. Oh, yeah. 
bitch. Yeah, bitch. God. Because you need that. Alien. You need that, yeah. God. Yeah, she's a tough, uh, strong, independent woman, mm-hmm. TM. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Bond dispatches Graves. The plane is pretty much rat shit because it's flown through the Icarus satellite. Yeah, it's thrown. It's been flown through the heat of the sun. Yeah, Magnified which is more like a warm, concentrated heat of the sun. Yeah, it's more like a warm. Uh, just, uh, a, just a bubble bath. Just a, yeah. <laughs> it's just a gentle death ray. Just a, just a gentle warm death, death ray. Uh, they, this is after Gustav has killed his father and revealed himself. Oh, yes, his father. himself yes, died. Yes, yeah. And, yeah, Gustav is dispatched. Oh, that's right. He Bond pushes the chest button. Which apparently that's is right. a self-destruct thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Self-destruct Just thing. causes electricity to pulse through the entire suit, disabling yeah. the wearer. What's that doing there? He couldn't have possibly known that. That's an important button. You don't want yeah. that. That's you the button. Why like is it the big on. red button too? Right on the front. Within easy access. And it also controls the death ray from space because as soon it's, as yes, good stuff true. Is button is pressed, the whole satellite shuts down. That's mm. true. Although the only way I've justified that is that when the suit is destroyed, when he goes through the airplane's right. turbine, I guess you would call yeah, that, the yeah, jet. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the the that suit being destroyed down. is that that would shut down. Right. Because the, the suit controls the satellite. Yes. See, that went over my head even. Yeah. Well, look. Yeah, I didn't, very, I didn't see this. It's very suit. nuanced, complex <laughs> writing, Jake. It's very... This is... This is top tier kind of stuff. Anyway, it's not over yet, Jake. It's not over yet. Um, Bond Bond and Jinx, they jump out the back of a plane in a helicopter. Mm -hmm. And then just before they hit the ground, the rotors on the the helicopter, they they start. And that stops them from from crashing in a fiery death, because that's how it would happen. And then they find a little cabin. That's right, they find a little cabin in the middle of fucking nowhere. (laughs) Korea, somewhere in Asia or Mm. Russia who are probably not particularly friendly to uh, US or, <laughs> or British intelligence agents. But they find an abandoned hut mm-hmm. yeah. somewhere. Yeah. They, um, they have sex in diamonds. Yeah, they just pour diamonds on each other. Oh. And she has the most forced line in gross. history. It's so gross when she says, leave it in just for a couple more seconds. It's Is like she talking about a diamond, a diamond in her goddamn belly button? A diamond in her belly button? Are you serious? Oh, this film what is a joke. This? We have literally spent maybe 40 minutes going over the plot yep. of this film. We've never touched on the plot of a film for more than maybe five minutes. Yeah. Because they can be easily summed up, typically. Yes. This is so dumb and complex that you have to go beat by beat through it. Because none of it makes sense. Nothing flows on to the next thing. I don't know what I've learned, looking back at it. (laughs) Don't do that. Don't. Yeah, it's it's literally the manual of how not to do a Bond film. Mm. I mean, locations, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? Most of them aren't real anyway. Yeah, exactly. they're not real anyway. It's all CGI. And even the Pinewood stuff is not very impressive. Even with Peter Lamont's best efforts. I mean, that Ice Palace would have been a fucking... Yep, I, I still maintain challenge. an Ice Palace for a Bond villain, on paper, seems perfect. 
You know, we've seen some brilliant layers so far. The idea of an ice palace, I love it. It's getting back to that old school bond. But this thing was just atrocious. Atrocious. Mm. It's not. Very poorly handled. Very poorly really, handled. Really, really badly handled. No one, I had no understanding of how it was all connected. Like yeah. the, the green atrium area. Yeah. Where was that in relation to the rest of the ice There's belt? a jungle in there. Why was there a jungle in there? I've no idea. I've no idea. To what purpose does that... What purpose does he, lives there. Does, does he have for a bloody atrium? For a greenhouse in Iceland? Yeah. That doesn't serve his plot. Why is it there? Tamahori! <laughs> the gadgets don't serve any purpose. The invisible car is useless. Completely useless. Completely useless. You, that car and does I'm, not need to be invisible. And I'm not averse to an invisible car. No. I know a lot of people are like, oh, invisible car, that's dumb. We have the technology. We know that today yeah. that that technology is perfectly viable. The only, the only it good, doesn't serve the plot. The only good gadget was its simplest one. The ring. The ring. The ring. Yeah. Hmm. Which is the only one that Q demonstrated. Mm. Yeah. The rest of it was what? C4? Yeah, C4, C4 detonators out of his watch. There was uh, the surfboard. Yeah, surfboard. Yeah, which had, had C4, C4 in it. Yep. More explosions. Great. Just blow it up. It just yeah. seemed like dumb American... It's the most American. Action, you know? Yeah. It was just like really yeah. dumb. Let's just blow it up. Yeah, it just feels like an American. Let's just blow it up and not do anything for real and just do it with a computer. Mm. Yep, yep, I agree. And spend the same amount of money. I cannot believe (laughs) that this movie was made for, what, 150 million, 140 million bucks? This thing made over 400 million at the box office. Did it really? Yep. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ! Well, I mean, we've got to go through the categories. I think we're going to go through them pretty quickly because we've pretty we've much kind of summarized them. the yeah. film. Yeah, we've been through the I mean, whole thing. stunts, mm. did any of the stunts stand out to you? No. Well, one well, thing me. you did remark, and one of the best vehicle stunts, is in the car chase on the ice mm. when he flips the, the vanquish. Yes. But again, over it's not really done seat. for real, though. Like, because you don't actually... Well, you can't see what's well, going on. What's going it was on. done for cut, real. Cut, cut, was cut, it? Cut, I know cut, that the actual stunt itself you don't was see done it. for Flipping real. Flipping the car. You, you see, see the it. interior where he presses the button, and then you see the car come around. Just like the last, the last little part of its arc, and it lands. That's it. Cut, yeah. cut, 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 cut. You don't see the rocket coming for him. You don't... Oh, man, it's really tough. The vehicles, like I said earlier, I mean... It's one of the most beautiful Aston Martins. I actually have ever not, been. I'm not really a big fan of the Vanquish. I I yeah. am. I am personally. Does Craig I, drive it? No, he, no doesn't. he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He uh, What does he drive in Quantum at the start? What's that? That is a DB10. It looks similar, I believe. Similar. Yeah, very very similar style. Yeah. I love the look of of, of those cars. Or a DBS. Yeah. It could be. A, oh, no, DBS. I think is what. Lazenby drives in on a Majesty's fact check mm. um, but uh, I think the Vanquish is a very <coughs> bloody stylish Aston Martin yeah. and we don't bloody see it it's mm. invisible for most of the goddamn film <laughs> the Jaguar's in a horrible green who yeah. cares oh I like the green oh, British racing it's green it's, it's synonymous with Jaguar it's their colour it? it's their colour mm. okay mm. okay 
yeah, okay. <laughs> See, I'd like to feel that a bit more. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Mm. Didn't feel like a... Why was the why was the plane at the end of the film not just filled with the helicopter, but with a Ferrari and a Lamborghini? Because he had them at the start. He loved... He loves his fast cars. Loves yeah. his cars. He majored in Western So he needs hypocrisy. to bring them oh. everywhere with him. Right. Yeah. Mm. right. It's the materialist... The materialistic side of the West. Right. Mm. That's the thing he loves. He mm. loves the richness and the wealth. Mm. Right. So he's a bad guy. Mm. See, that's so interesting. You know, you've got a guy that's obsessed with all of that kind of stuff. Trying to bring this it down. This film should be filled with luxurious items and style and class. But it's not. All the opulence of, take of the Western capitalism. No. But <coughs> no, there's nothing. I mean, it's really hard to remark upon any of the sets. The only set that I think is in any way iconic or memorable from this film is the Ice Palace, mm. which I don't think is... I think it's a great feat mm. of uh, design. Everything else is... But I don't think it's much to look at. I don't boring, get any kind of class or elegance from that. No. Even watching Bond in a bloody dinner suit... Like, in the middle of the martini, you know, the cocktail bar. You're in Havana, and we get a rooftop where we don't see anything, aside from kind of some other buildings. Yeah, yeah. You don't, you didn't utilise anything properly. No. Korea's not a Bond location. It's grey. It's It's grey. It's grey. The whole pre-title sequence is like, has this grey wash over it. It does. Which just kind of makes you go... Well, this is really drab. Mm. It just makes me think of concrete. Mm. I mean, they don't even do that in Goldeneye. Whereas the the greyness and and uh, sterility of the Cold War is captured so perfectly in the living daylights, yet it is still full of colour. Yeah, you know, it. and texture and texture. Well. Yeah. This is this is really one note. Yeah, it's one note in every every aspect of mm. it. I mean. That which moves us on to the next thing. I've said this before. Toby Stevens is a fantastic actor. That he's the worst villain. I think this is the worst villain in the series. Yeah, he is. God awful. He's very bad. It's really bad Mm -hmm. because he's not given anything to bloody do. Azari's henchman. Zhao. Zhu. Zhu. Zhao. Zhao. Zhao is probably the most is dynamic he, yeah. character of the bloody film. I yeah. think that's Zhao, not saying much because he's saying, one note. He is. Yeah. He, he is a character Yoon does lives, enough. He lives really well in the Bond universe. He does. You yeah, know, he, he could does. have, could have been got, a good henchman in another movie. Exactly. You get I henchmen say, with claws, you get henchmen with you know razor sharp hats, you get jaws. Why not have diamond, diamond face? face? It works. Just don't make him bald. Don't make yeah. him bald albino and put blue contacts in. Yeah. <laughs> because when he crosses the bridge and he's still got his, you know, thick black hair. Yeah. He's interesting. And he's got his actual eyes. Yes. Mm. And he's got the diamonds embedded in his face. Mm. That's fucking brilliant. That's cool. And the way he stares down Bond yeah. on that exchange, mm. you know. You know, he. I can't remember what the line was, but the exchange between those two. I'll put the clip in here. Mm. That's 
That is classic Bond stuff. That's mm. a great henchman. They yeah. really set him up quite well. But again, they make it, it fake. They just turn it into this fake comic sci-fi, sci-fi comic yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is real sci-fi. And he does. Tinged. It makes him look like Doctor Freeze. Mm. It really does. Yeah, yeah. he looks Veiny like something out of Star Wars. Yeah, they go from being diamonds to being ice. Yes, yeah, in, yes. in the mind's yeah. eye. Yeah. 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 Mm. It's it's really tough. I mean, who are the other villains in this? Miranda Frost, Rosamund Pike is an amazing actor. She's Incredible. an Academy Award nominee for goodness' as, sake. As we said, she gets out of this pretty well. She does. Yeah, she's bloody charming. Mm. Yeah, she's. Um, I mean, she's gorgeous. Absolutely. We we have to say that we're red blooded, you know, straight men. <laughs> uh, she is stunning. Yeah. Um. And she's a damn fine actor. Yeah. A damn fine actor. And uh, I believe everything that she says, as ridiculous as uh, as it is. As it all is, yeah. Yeah, I believed her until I found out she was a double agent. Yeah. And then and I was like, it... nothing you says, said to this point makes any sense now. Yeah. Because you said it so with so much conviction. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, which okay. sells the, the bluffing of it. I think. But yeah, then all her dialogue after that is so one note and exactly. villainy. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of mustache twirling going yeah. on. It's all a just, lot. Everything's one note. It's mm. like like you were saying, everyone is playing the villain. Yes, Everyone's yeah. playing the bad guy. Ooh, look at me, I'm the bad guy. It's like come on, have some substance. Yeah. Mm. I mean the Play other... against what's on the page or so, I mean you, there's just nothing there. There's nothing. There's nothing there to play. The other villains are, are nothing to write home about. We've Mr. got Kill. Blondie, Mr. Kill. Jesus yeah. Christ, get rid of that. Yeah. That's one of the worst exchanges in Bond history. Come on. Ugh. Poorly introduced. My least favourite Bond woman today, too, Halle. Halle Berry, it's not good. It's not good. It's a terrible character. Terrible. It is a really, really bad character. Poorly thought out, poorly executed. Her agent. It doesn't make any sense for her to be there. <laughs> In the early 2000s, whoever her agent was, oh. aside from Monsters Ball. Well, I think about it in this way. I go, do you say no to a Bond film? Your agent goes, they want you to play the next such and such in a Bond film. In the anniversary. I'd bloody say yes. Mm. I mean, particularly because they're riding on such a high. Pierce Brosnan is extraordinarily popular. His three films, each film has kind of made more money than the last. Mm. Why would you not say yes to this? True. And it's the 40th anniversary. Yeah. Mm. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Barn 20, where nothing could possibly go wrong. <laughs> Possibly go. <laughs> that's the first thing that's ever gone wrong. <laughs> I mean, she's really our only Bond woman. She I don't. Is, yeah, I don't want to bag on Halle Berry because no. I don't want to be. It's not her fault. No, she well, did. Look, I, uh, I, I think she did what she was told to do. Told to do, and what she was given. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't think anyone can make that character. Sing. There's no logic to the character. There's no logic to the character. No motive. No. None whatsoever. Nothing works. We've touched on Judy Dench's M. I think she's the best thing in the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. she's always fantastic. Yeah. You don't get a bad Judy Dench performance. No. Even in Cats. I haven't seen it, but I'm sure she's great <laughs> in it. 
Uh, Weird old money penny, penny film, isn't it? Oh, she gets oh. killed. She gets killed for fake. She, she makes, makes out with Bond, Bond for fake. Oh. Is she? Does she have any real moments in the movie? What's her only real scene in it? She does have one. I do remember where she wakes up. Where she yeah takes the glasses off. She does off have and a real interaction yeah, with one. Bond, doesn't she? Uh, no, no, she, she does. doesn't. I don't think she does. I don't think she does. So they've sure because even her. when she because even when yeah because he's not in, in he's the, not an MI6, so he's yeah. not a double O. Mm. Yeah, there's not a real scene between the two of them. No, is there? My God, she doesn't. Yeah. Get a what a way Bond. to say goodbye, to Brosnan and Moneypenny and, and Samantha Bond. Bond yeah. yeah. Colin Salmon gets a really bad run as Robinson, who's been pretty from Tomorrow Never Dies to this film. Is he he's, like M's little offside? He's kind of like Bill Tanner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's had Tanner. Uh, even though there is a Bill Tanner in the Brosnan era. Oh, is it? Yeah, they kind of share the, the Tanner mm-hmm. type of role. But even he gets a really unceremonious kind of dispatch. Oh, kind of really the last present. thing we see of, see of him is, I'm fairly sure, in the virtual reality where he gets killed. Mm. Mm. And that's it. And then the rest of the movie, he's just kind of standing behind him to the right. Yeah. To the left of M. Or Michael Madsen. Or Michael Madsen. Um, Q, we've touched on Q. He does He does an admirable job. Too it's far. a tough It's a tough slot to fill yeah. after Desmond Llewellyn, and yeah. particularly in the 40th anniversary. Yeah film I think he does really well it's a shame we don't actually get more John Cleese mm. yeah I think it would have been interesting been, he would have been a great, great. Yeah. he's bigger in my memory as Q than, than he was in reality I thought he had me I too. thought he was like Brosnan's Q yeah me too mm. uh, I mean I don't think of him as Brosnan's Q but I also have a stronger mm. memory of him as Q I wonder how much uh, the video game Everything or Nothing plays mm. into that True. for me who else is there of the MI6 regulars? I mean, there's the Allies. We've got Michael Madsen. There's nothing to remark about. Like, Who does he even work for? I don't know. Is NSA. he NSA? He's NSA. He's Jinx's boss. Why is he there at the handover of Bond from North Korea? What are they doing? There's no point. There's no explanation. For him to be there. Jesus, this film. Tamahori. <laughs> The we style, want answers. The style? What is... Do you have a favourite outfit in this film? I, I will say that I do, mm-hmm. but it's a begrudging one. Mm-hmm. I don't hate the outfit that Bond wears on the island, the Isla de Organas, the kind of tan suit with the dark brown shirt underneath. I don't hate it. It's not my favourite. Um, that's an honourable mention for him. I would say my favourite of his is the... Uh, and you barely get to see it. Yep. It's not shown properly. Yep. Uh, would probably be... Oh, no. I was going to say this before he goes off to the final confrontation. Uh, before he jumps on the plane after the Ice Palace. That scene. Nice. I would say his best outfit is when he goes underground. In the station. Yes, that's his best outfit. I that's, think that's yeah. his best outfit. Is that when he's got the... Very more. He's got the coat. The he's blue got trench the coat. coat. Yep. Mm. Just, yep. Yeah, he's wearing that since he leaves Blades. Yep. Mm. Yeah, that was one of my... It's a great that's, outfit. Mm. Yep. I think my favourite was that. Yeah. That outfit. And also, a blink of an eye, 
um, when he comes downstairs at the hotel in Hong Kong, mm. um, he's got a yes. very well fitted suit on, yeah. and I think it he just great. we finally the see red, Brosnan red tie. I think there might be a bit of color in there, yeah. and you finally yeah, see like him, and you're like, "Oh, he yeah. still looks good in a suit." Yeah. He may be aging. We may be able to tell that he's you know the cracks are showing. Mm. He spent far too much time with his shirt off, but in that moment with that suit, he still had it. Mm. Least favorite. Um, Costume, him without a shirt. shirt. The, the white. It's the fucking pajamas for me. The pajamas. When he walk, when he first walks, when in. he jumps off the ship, when and, he first... he, and he walks through that the hotel. Oh, yeah, hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I kind of like the subversion of that moment where he's walking through with all the swagger of Bond. Yeah, but he's in drenched, drenched. pajamas. But I don't like the film enough. Mm. Yeah, to be able to say that that moment pays off. Yeah, I think that's a horrible thing. Runner-up to worst outfit is that bloody Cuba outfit, which reminds me a lot of um, nothing of fits. Moore's blue outfit in *Live and Let Die*. Yeah, the oh, mesh singlet. Oh yeah, same kind of. Yeah, I think Moore looks better in that. Yeah, he does. That, that at least blue. fits him. Mm. This bloody shirt doesn't fit him. He's no, swimming no. in it. Yeah, yeah. My least favorite would be the fatigues. Oh, he wears yeah. oh God. Why is Bond in fatigues? Why is he in Why? American fatigues? Why is he wearing a uniform? Why? He's not, he's not in the army. No. He's a naval commander. Yeah. He's a British naval commander. Why is he wearing those? Yeah. It's the same bloody fatigues that um, Halle, Berry's Halle Berry's wearing. And I get it if it's like, oh, well, it's kind of camouflage and they're on a mission. On a plane. But they're on a fucking plane. Before that, they're on a runway. Put them in stealth suits. Yeah, Jesus Black. Christ. Black. Put them in a fucking turtleneck. Turtleneck with the holster. Yeah. Come That's on. what you do. That's what you Tactical do. Tactical pants, boots, turtleneck, yeah. holster. Done. Yeah. Why did no one go, hang on? You know? Why did no one stop that? Zoo. Bloody nose. Mm. Darby, I have to ask this. We always kind of end on this before we jump into the um, ratings. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Look, I... Technically, you know where I'm going. Technically, Lee Tamahori. How much did he fuck this? <laughs> so bad. It's just... I, I said it I said it at the top. I said there's nothing that I can suffer. There's nothing that I can... What's the word here? Let me try that again. Yeah, uh, you can suffer... There's nothing you can suffer less than, than, than bad. bad filmmaking. Yeah. And this is bad filmmaking. Yeah. From the get-go. Yeah. I, you know, from the get-go, from you're the get-go. right. Because I think in the preamble I said I liked the first hour. Some I nice may have shots. said this earlier. Yeah. There's some nice shots. But Jesus Christ. It's a shot does not a good film make. No. 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 Fuck. I mean, there's not much I can say about it. It's just a mess. Yeah, this is tough. This is, this is really tough. What would you say would be the worst example, though, of that kind of... Uh, um... I mean, just a, it, it just comes down to a fundamental lack of understanding of character, time and place. You know, there, yeah, I, yeah. I don't, there's never a sense that, that Lee Tamahori has, has stood in front of a scene before beginning on it and gone, we are here, we've come from here and we're going here. Except just, the moment when Pierce Brosnan walks down the stairs still chewing on the grape. Ex- except that moment. That Which got then right. goes for so, <laughs> so long. long. That's the world's longest That's grape. the chewiest grape. He was really making a meal out of that. World. But, you know, there's, yeah, it's just, it lacks vision. It, it, and it's, yeah. What did you think of the cinematography? There's a few shots that have stuck in my mind. Funnily enough, 
from the opening sequence. I like the opening shot of the film. Yeah. Um, of the Saving Private, Saving Private Ryan mm-hmm. Beach. Mm-hmm. I thought it, it gave me false hope. I, I looked at that shot. I looked at the composition. I looked at the style of it. The, the, the simple, as I've spoken before, foreground, middle ground, background elements. And I went, this might be all right. It might still be a Bond film. Mm. And then again, I think there's a, there's a shot later on, like two, three shots later after the surfing sequence where there's two military men walk in front of the frame and we kind of shoot through and see the three guys pop up. A, a pop up. Yep. There's a few examples of some nice filmmaking that occur in a single shot. Yeah. But they're so few and far between, you know. You know... I just looked up who the cinematographer was. The cinematographer's name is David Tattersall. Does oh. that name ring a bell to you? It does. Tattersall. I don't know where from. Tattersall. I'm going to name a couple of the films that he's done. Mm. The Green Mile. Yep. The Phantom Menace. Mm. Attack of the Clones. <laughs> oh. And Revenge of the Sith. There oh you bloody my go. God. We mentioned earlier that this feels like the prequels. I think there's a clue there. Mm, that's why. There you go. Not a bad cinematographer. I think the Green Mile's a fantastic film. Green Mile. He also did the cinematography on The Matador, which was Pierce Brosnan's first film, or one of the first films, once after he left Bond, which is actually a personal favourite of mine. Pierce Brosnan and uh, Ewan McGregor. It's a good film. Mm. Uh, he also did The Foreigner, a Martin Campbell film. Jackie Chan. Which uh, Jackie Chan was in. Mm. And Pierce, Pierce Brosnan. And Brosnan, yeah. Good friends with Pierce. He must, yeah. He's mm. worked with Pierce quite a bit. There you go. Isn't that Star funny? Wars because we really was there. got mm. that there feeling from this film. I wonder who had the final word on picture lock here. I wonder if the producers stepped in or if it was just... I think, I think it's Tamahori. I think it's I think anyone else would have been terrified to try. Yeah. <laughs> I think... The reason I don't think that... Uh, Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson had as much say as a lot of people think they have had on this film is that no other Bond film feels like this mm. that they've produced. Mm. Not before or after. Yeah. yeah. The they've, common denominator. They've made is... missteps, I think. Sure. Tamahori and his camera team. They decided the film. Well, look... <laughs> I think we know we were all headed. I think we, we... Jesus, we've been talking about this for a long time. Um, we're up to the rating. Mm-hmm. Who wants to go first? <laughs> this, uh, I've said it before, is a great disappointment to me. Um, not, you know... Yes, we don't want to... We don't want all the blame to rest on, on dear old Pierce. Um... I think the only thing that's saving the film is Dame Judy. Christ. Is David Arnold. She's in it for a minute. Yeah, yeah. I think this thing loses its way very quickly. It doesn't feel like a Bond film at all. This thing is stirred for me. Yeah. <laughs> it fucking better be. <laughs> <laughs> It's a stirred two. Two. What's giving it that two? That Arnold and Judy. The only thing that's stopping it from being a one is the fact that Judy gives it. Is one our lowest? Is that our lowest? You can't do a zero. Can you do a zero? You can't do a zero. Okay. All right. Uh, Yeah, I think the fact that that Arnold's doing his best, that there is some 
sound of Bond in there, yeah. that there is some, uh, you know, notion, some kind of... Um, He's the only storyteller in the fucking film. Yeah, and the fact that, yeah. and the fact that Dame Judy, you know, grounds it in some way. Yeah, you we've know, got to tie back to the other Brosnan. At films. least, mm. at least, there's hey, remember, mm. remember. Mm. Um, and look, there's a couple of little chuckles that I did have throughout where 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 Pierce was doing his best. Okay, I got to say this: is this too many quips? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is a prime example of the pendulum swinging way too far. Yeah. You know, it's just off the chain. It's off it's the charts. Off the ch- it's yeah. way off the charts. This thing. There isn't a single. It's in a league of its own. A little Madonna quote. Um, <laughs> it really like. You're right. They're, they're pretty much every line is a bloody one line. That's all it is. Mm. Yeah. Unashamedly. Unashamedly. And just. It's not good. Terrible. Look, I I despise this film. Um, I hate that I'm looking at it trying to find redeeming qualities Mm. to bump it up because my heart is telling me that it is a shaken nine. No, it's a... It's it's a stirred one for me. It's, It's the lowest possible score and I can confidently say that it will be the worst we watch. Wow. Yeah, look, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I don't like this film. I don't enjoy watching it. Every time I watch it, I enjoy it even less. Will you ever watch I it again? Le- yeah, I will because it's a Bond film mm. and I'm a fucking glutton for punishment <laughs> and I'll trick myself in a, maybe two years' time to be like, oh, it's not as bad as you remember. It can't be. It can't be as bad as you remember. Just Ooh, listen to this Oh, podcast. Brandon, listen to this, Brandon, in the future. It is... It is as bad as you remember. It's actually probably worse than you remember because you're in the future now and things have gotten better. We hope. Without a doubt, this is a shaken one. And the only reason I'm giving this a shaken one is because I can't give it a shaken zero. (laughs) David Arnold's score gives it that one. It gives it that one. Judi Dench gives it that one. Wow. Rosamund Pike tries. Yep. Rosnan is acting his fucking heart out in this film yeah. and is given absolutely nothing in return for it. Mm. i got to say, the regulars, Chris Corball, Peter Lamont, they're all working bloody hard to save this film. Yeah, But unfortunately, you can't save a sinking ship. You can't. You can't. This is, funnily enough, another film that uh, Peter Lamont designed and won an Oscar for. He won an Oscar for this? This thing's the Titanic. (laughs) He he won an Oscar for Titanic. No one fucking won an Oscar for this. (laughs) Jesus Christ. This is Razzie material. I wouldn't be surprised. Fact check this for the next episode. (laughs) Where's the Razzies? I swear to God this won Razzies. Mm. It would have had to have. Mm. Were the Razzies around then? (sighs) If they weren't, this probably forced them to come in. It still made almost half a billion dollars. Yep. It was the highest grossing film in the Bond franchise at that time, beaten by the next film. Casino Royale. I cannot believe that the next film after this is Casino Royale. Is Casino Royale. A very hard reboot. Oh, that's a hard right turn. It is. They wanted to get as far away from that as possible. And that's credit to Barbara and Michael. 
It is. They knew exactly where they had to take this. Yep. And and full credit also to Neil Purvis and Robert Wade, mm. who wrote the next Bond film with Paul Haggis and uh, diehard Fleming fans. They yep. knew that it had to change. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, we never have to go through Let's Die leave. Another Day again. Let's leave that behind us. There are other bad ones out there. There are, but they're never this <laughs> they're bad. They're never going to be this bad again. There's not a film in the franchise that comes even close no, to this. Which is not a, in my book. That's no. great. It just doesn't feel Which like is amazing. It's a, it's a nice feeling. It's a huge <laughs> weight off our chest. I'm glad we got this out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had five fantastic films in a row. We had to have a Happy bad birthday, one. Happy birthday, mate. Yeah. We, we got it out of the way. Ooh, you yeah. ripped the band-aid off. Ooh. But gentlemen, you know what time it is. Oh. It's time to draw a title out of the hat so that we know which I is our next film. You went first last time, Darby. Mr. Spear. The hand goes in. The hand goes in the Stetson. Alright, I've got one. He's got one. I've he got pulls one. it out. Oh, me next. It's me drawing out of the hat. Ooh. I'm tossing stuff around. I've pulled one out. I've got it. <laughs> and let me hold the hat for you, Mr. Deck. No, I don't want that one. Uh, I'm gonna go for that one. Oh. Alrighty, let's <laughs> reveal in the order in which we drew, Mr. Spear. Ladies and gentlemen, I have drawn. The world is oh. not enough. Oh, naughty boy. Oh. Well, I have drawn a personal favourite of mine. Oh. For your eyes only. Oh. <laughs> Gentlemen, we have three good films to choose from. Oh. I have drawn... Yes. Goldfinger. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, this is tough. All right, Jake, you drew first. So pick yes. a number between one and six. I'm going to take one. One? Yes. I'll do three. I'm going to go like number five. I'm going to go four. I'm going to go two. I'm five and six. Five and six? Yes. I'm two and three. I'm one and four. All right. All right. Here I go. I'm rolling the dice, ladies and gentlemen. It's It's a six. Which means we are watching... Goldfinger! 1964's... Goldfinger! <laughs> oh, yes! Oh, we've gone from bad to bomb <laughs> See you then.